what we identify with, if we walked into a party and we said, you know, my name is Jason, I'm a trader, I'm a father, I'm this, I'm that, that's our primary identity. Yeah. And then there's this whole secondary part of us that we don't really identify with on an everyday basis. Well, when I went into that unknown, I wanted to throw away that primary identity. I said, you know, I don't want to be a trader. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go completely into the esoteric world. I want to study holistic you know, nutrition and psychology and martial arts and all these things. Only to find out that my real gift was being able to mend the two. Yeah. Ultimately, no matter how much I wanted to get away from that, mm-hmm. it actually was what I was here to do and it had to come back in a new form. So now yeah. that's really what the abundance archetype is, is really bridging the gap between what I learned from being on Wall Street and si- sitting with the titans of Wall Street to what I learned with sitting with the masters of the heart and soul like yourself, and then bridging those two and bringing them out. So no matter how much we want to get away from these parts of ourselves, they're always there. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today, Paul welcomes back Jason Picard. Jason became a billion-dollar portfolio manager and partner to hedge fund legend Paul Tudor Jones at Tudor Investment. By the age of 27, he was recognized as one of the top 30 traders under 30 years old in the world. Yet his health was on an absolute decline. He was 330 pounds and suffered from a mental and physical health crisis. On a quest to become a master of both his inner and outer worlds, he decided to travel the world, spending thousands of dollars and studying for thousands of hours, learning directly from the greatest masters of a wide variety of healing arts, martial arts, holistic nutrition and movement, cutting-edge psychology, and wisdom traditions of the East and West, ancient, indigenous, and contemporary. He is now the founder of the Abundance Archetype Method, where he teaches the success secrets of the titans of Wall Street and the great masters of the heart and soul, which made him more successful in all areas of his life, and where he ultimately learned that true abundance was having both wealth and well-being. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcast. Your opinions matter and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind, and to live their dreams. We hope you enjoy listening to Paul and Jason talking about the abundance archetype. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Living 4D with me, Paul Check. Hello, hello, hello. Today, we are going to be talking about a very important title right now, Creating Abundance. I wanted to share Jason Picard with you again because he has just finished creating an amazing new course called The Abundance Archetype, which I have had a lot of chance to look at and uh, work with Jason in the creation of, and I'm truly impressed. So welcome back, Jason. Thanks, bud. It's great to be here. It's always good to have you here, man. It's like my home away from home, it feels like. Yeah, well, you know, I've got that room there. It's Jason. We call it Jason's room. Yeah, you know, I love the, it. The guest suite. So I wanted to share more about uh, Jason's program or, or share with you. I, I, I've already got a good look at it, but I wanted to share it with you guys for a number of reasons. One is, as you guys know, that the social, political, medical, and economic environments are quite unstable. So people are naturally concerned about finances. And then we've got all sorts of threats that the economy is going to crash. And and I've heard rumors that if it does, then people's retirement funds will magically disappear. And there's all sorts of stuff out there that's making people insecure about finances. And in my years of working with Jason, which is now right close to 14 years we've been working together, 
Um, I've watched him maintain his financial abundance, as well as dealing with the challenges of life that are often unexpected. And Jason's been through some very tough challenges. But he definitely has exemplified to me, through his own life, that he can maintain a state of abundance and work through the challenges. And one of the things we're going to talk about, too, is is really most of our concept of abundance is about financial abundance, but we'll get into more of what Jason is sharing in his Abundance Archetype online training program. And so, Jason, to begin with, um, I know you've had a super successful career and life and have an intimate relationship with the concept of abundance. So I think it's important to start today just to sort of describe what abundance means as you live it and present it in your new course. Yeah, I thought it was really important to dig into what abundance really meant. Yes. Right? I mean, we say these words, oh, acceptance, surrender, abundance, (laughs) spirituality, Mm -hmm. God. (laughs) That's abundance. Yeah. But I don't think we really actually dig into what does this really mean and what does it really mean for us? Right. So I I looked up in an etymological dictionary. I looked up the word abundance. And interestingly, it comes from the root word unda. And unda takes you to varuna, which is the deva, the Hindu deva or the, the, of, the, of water. So like the personified laws of nature of water, the water spirits, the water mm. beings. So abundance is literally unto us. Oh, it's, it, unto, yeah. Yeah, it, it's the water in our body, right? So to be abundant is to flow with life. Oh, good, yeah. It's to have fluency and mm. affluence mm. and fluidity. Yeah. Right? So, you know, in yoga, they say the peak of yogic perfection is to maintain who you are despite pleasure or pain. Yes, that's quite an achievement, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, we, we think that abundance is necessarily about, um, abundance is about being happy, but happy is from happenstance or to be lucky, right? Abundance is not about, you know, everything necessarily going right for us or always having the win or the easy win or to be happy or to have a lot of money. But it's about despite what life throws at you, you stay in your center. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's really what uh, abundance came to mean to me. One of the ways that I, I, I think I've mentioned this to you, I was reading uh, Victor Frankl's book, A Man's Search for Meaning. Yes. And he was talking about the Jews being marched into the gas chambers in the Holocaust and singing and dancing their way in to, oh my God. to their death. That's impressive. And that really shook me to my core. But when I thought about that, I thought to myself, wow, you know what? That is abundance. In that moment, their lives were out of their control. Totally. But their attitude, their spirit, the way they handled it and reacted to that, even in the worst of circumstances, was the one thing that they could control. Yeah. And living from that place, to me, is abundance. It's a real high spiritual place to get to in your growth and development, though. I mean, it, it takes time, but I, I'm, you know, I know from looking at your course, you have all sorts of very specific training exercises and concepts to help people learn how to do all that, you know, and how to find their center. Uh, While you were talking there, I wrote a note because one of my favorite quotes by Houston Smith is, to the man who lives his life from his center, all tensions disappear. Beautiful. And that's really 
very much in line with what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. That's my, I stuck that on my computer. So I see that quote every minute of my working day because <clears throat> with all the things that have happened in the last three years, it's easy to get fired up and say, what the freaking hell's going on here? And who are these crazy wackos doing this and that? And I can find myself getting distracted by it also. I was doing some research for my new book, and I came across that quote by Houston Smith, and I said, "Oh my God, that's so truthful! I just got to, I got to put that where I can see it every day and practice that." So I think, for me right now, that's my spiritual practice. Yeah. When I feel myself, you know, getting jacked up, is just find my center and and relax, and you know, pay attention to what's really important versus what's just ephemeral. You know, totally. Yeah, the you know the the big conspiracy for me. I think that I had to debunk for myself was thinking that abundance was just about having a lot of money, right? But when you look at the word wealth, again, on this etymological detective trail, wealth comes from well-being and well-being comes from wheel. And wheel comes from chakras. Uh-huh. The, literally, the energy centers are the wheels of energy in our body. Yeah. So real wealth, to me, I, I learned it. It's, 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 it is about having money. It is about having money, but it, it, it's so much more than that. It's actually being embodied. It's actually having your energy centers healthy and turned on. Mm. And this whole concept of the wheel was really fascinating because what I found to be truly abundant, what I found abundance to be is not so much about your net worth, but your net impact. Mm, yeah, that's a very good por- point there. How you're circulating your money. How, how is your money performing and not how is it p- possessed? Yeah, I think that it all that really boils down to your values too. Sure, you know, because your values are what sets your intention, and then you know your values and your intention determines what. To me, money is a form of energy or power, right? So if you if you have the values of you know I'll get rich any way that I can, then you're going to do it at the expense of other people's well being. But if your values are you know, based on moral principles, su- supporting life with your money, then you, you, it's going to change the way you invest it. And I think it's really important for all of us to really cultivate those values because so many of us, you look up on the internet and want to see what's this person's net worth? Right. How much money do they have? But in reality, we should be looking at how much impact are they having in the world? There should be lists of the top 10 largest impact makers right not the top 10 largest bank accounts right that, that would be a very interesting list to compare the two right the the problem is the top 10 largest bank accounts are likely to be the top 10 people that have had the greatest negative impact on the environment and humanity which is sort of a sad situation sure yeah, but in, in the same concept of the government reflecting the people and all of these people sort of being a projection of something inside of us. It's really up to us to to show the world what what do we really value, absolutely, and, and then letting that spill over. Yeah, if we don't do that, there's no hope for the future, in my opinion. I think we're in a values crisis. We're in a myth and a values crisis, and a myth crisis is a values crisis. And and this is so interesting. I, I know we're we're still on the first question, but we we were talking about this the other day about the, the problems with AI. Yes, and not having uh, not having a heart or not having values or, or discernment. Right. If you if you ask AI, you know, are vaccinations good or bad for me? It ultimately can't make that decision for you. No. Right? And it's probably not going to show you the 
all of the information that's out there on the internet anyway. And that's all it's doing is scanning the internet for available information. It's right. not like AI has its own mind where it can come up with its own ideas. Uh, from what I've learned of AI, which I've read a number of books on it, you know, the programming is based on, you know, searching available data. And that's why, you know, they have all these chips coming out and say you'll be able to search the internet by thinking about it. And so AI is making a decision based on other people's ideas. You know, like uh, I've seen a couple of articles and posts recently about uh, chat GTP, I think it is, that can right. write your essay for you. Right. But all it's doing is searching the libraries that it has access to and, and synthesizing it into some kind of a, a thesis or whatever you're writing, an article or whatever. But that's not, there's no original thought in there. No, there's no depth to that. Well, there's no depth. It's just information swapping. Yeah. Life satisfaction doesn't come from having, just having the answer given to you. No. Anyone who's ha had any real depth of experience knows that it's more about the process, the journey to get there, than it is actually having the easy win, right? I mean, all of the flow science actually shows this is that once you have a certain amount of money, once you get your survival needs met, more money doesn't actually equate to happiness. What actually equates to happiness is being engaged with life, the process of life, and doing what you love to do and having a big impact. That leads to life satisfaction. That leads to abundance. As you know very well, I tell everyone the first thing you got to do is identify your dream or you're never going to have enough love for your healing, growth, or change process to carry you through the challenges of behavior change yeah. and the inertia. You know, I I was meditating in the sauna the other day, and, and my soul put this thought in my head. My soul said, only a dream can overcome the inertia of life. Mm. And I thought, that's so true, because your dream creates levity for you. And we both know that people that do what they love to do naturally do it well. So money comes to them because their heart is in it, just like when we watch singers, dancers, and musicians, we can tell who's in soul and who's maybe mechanically good, but doesn't tap into you, you right, know? Right, And I think to, to do what you love to do and to be connected to your soul is the ultimate form of abundance. I, I know I couldn't have survived all the challenges in my life if I didn't have that sense that what I was doing was worth the effort to work through the challenges. Totally, yeah. And in my course, I, I take you through the steps of how to actually access these flow states. And in those states, you're actually being played like an instrument, yes. which is what you're saying. It's like it, the music or the art or, or the inspiration is moving through you, and you're an instrument for that. Yeah, that's really the, the vehicle of soul. When you get your conscious ego out of the way and just become a living vessel for the flow of spirit. Uh, Jason, though I know you've managed to be abundant for the time we've worked together and shared an amazing friendship, I also know you've been through some very challenging times that you've had to work through. We both know that financial abundance alone doesn't protect people from the loss of abundance in other areas, such as family connection, relationships, having abundant health and vitality, and many lose abundance of a healthy lifestyle because they're totally focused on financial abundance alone. Can you share some of the challenges you've had maintaining abundance in other areas of your life while pursuing financial abundance and how you managed to create balance and regain abundance in those areas where your life was lacking? You know, I've had many of these, as you know, in my yeah. life. <laughs> well, at least from the time I've been working yeah. with you, I must say, you know, you've had your, your tough, tough rounds, 
But like I said in the introduction, I also have watched you recenter and go through some really challenging, scary times. I mean, put it this way, for those of you listening, you know, I coach Jason as a holistic life coach and, and help him with whatever rehab exercise programs, you know, the whole enchilada. And there's been times where Jason was going through challenges that were so intense that I had to calm center and often meditate or do Tai Chi before I would coach him so that I could actually handle the emotion that I was getting through our relationship because we're, you know, our souls are quite connected. So, you know, I, I'm feeling through sympathetic resonance, the, the challenges and the stress and the, you know, the anxiety of some of these things. And so my point being is that I've actually seen you go through some major life challenges, but I, I have to say you've always managed, you know, the sailboat always comes back up and you never seem to get blown off course. It's there, there might be some, you know, some tax to the left and some tax to the right to find balance. But, you know, many of the things you've been through would absolutely, well, one, it could lead people to suicide. Two, it could completely cause them to just give up on their life, their business, themselves, be in a state of chronic depression. So I'm I'm just curious to hear from your own words, how have you managed to go through all this and not lose real abundance through the process and what what is you can share some of the things you've been through because i think it's important for people to realize that we're not just talking about you know uh, a bump on the hip or a fall off a bicycle here totally yeah and so like we said earlier when you you know an abundant life is is not all about just the ups mm-hmm. you know it's what is your attitude towards the challenges of in life of challenges of life and for me i've always thought about it like this is that you could take a rock and apply enough heat and pressure and it could either crack or it could turn into a diamond mm-hmm. right so ultimately you know having this orientation that everything in your life is there to teach you something mm-hmm. and try to cultivate what can you what can you learn from it yeah, and and that that's really helped me to 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 know that there's a bigger meaning and a bigger message to what what's coming, you know. When you have enough of these in your life, when you know I was 330 pounds before I met you, and you know having come back from that, and then seeing now that I'm actually there to teach people how to get healthy and how to maintain themselves, you start to see that there, there there's a larger string of meaning that's connected into your life. That all of these situations are there to ha- actually help you become who you are. So, I mean, I've gone through, you know, career change, which was incredibly stressful. And we talked about this earlier, you know, for many of you who, who may, may be thinking about entering something new, when you, when you, I had this whole identity of me as a trader. That's because what you, that's what you'd done your whole professional life. My whole life from when I was a child till, till when I was 39 years old, I was just beeline on becoming the, the biggest, baddest trader in the world. That's all I wanted to do, you know? And there was like a level of identity and personality and sort of, you know, fictitious on paper importance that comes with that role. People are calling you all the time. They're messaging you. They want to take you out to dinner. They're sending you emails. You have meetings and all these things. And then all of a sudden, one day I decide to leave, leave and try, you know, try my hand at something new and step in, into the unknown. And all of a sudden, all of that fades to black. Mm-hmm. Nobody calls you. Yeah. Nobody picks up the phone. 
you know, nobody sends you an email to, to ask what you're thinking. And there's, there's, there's literally a death. And you enter into this grief cycle that is very similar to when you lose a loved one in your life, which is, which is very interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So navigating that was, was fascinating because, you know, there's regrets and disbelief and shock and all of these things that, that come and really pulling myself together, asking deep questions about who am I really? What am I really here to serve? What do I want to do? And the thing that actually got me through it was the, the, the idea of what I loved about trading, what I was good at uh, with trading was actually there with me my entire life. When, when, I was a, when I was a kid, I loved to do drumming and I still do, you know that. Yeah, I love, drum, I love drumming and when I was a kid, I also loved magic, right? And so you'd ask me, what, what does any of that have to do with trading? But the thing that I loved about drumming was keeping the rhythm. And what made me right. great about markets was following the rhythm of the market. And then the whole thing with magic was that when I was trading, it was it was a magical thing to me to create millions of dollars, like literally out of thin air, like poof, like, ah, uh -huh, yeah. right? I wish you'd teach me to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you have to take my course. So. Um, yeah, well, I'm. I think I will. <laughs> but so when, when when I was in that when when I was in that grief cycle, and I started to to, to get into process oriented psychology and becoming a uh, holistic life coach and all uh, various things, I realized that what I loved about trading was still with me. My ability to track the rhythm of my clients, mm. to teach them about the rhythm of rituals. And mm. that's what I made as a big thing in the abundance archetype. And that what I, when I saw my client actually having a breakthrough and have that aha moment, that was like magic to me. It is magic. And so it, it was really, for me, it was really getting down to the core of that I was never really the trader. I was the one that was showing up and presenting this process that was with me from birth and that has never left me. And that helped me spiral up into a new beginning and to create the abundance archetype. One of the things that makes a career change so challenging is because, especially when you've been in a career as long as you had been, is that our soul, that what we think of as our soul isn't just us. Our soul, first of all, we, we come into life through a mother and a father. So um, you know, the grand majority of how we see the world and what we think is right or wrong and, you know, the, the way we, who we think are our people and a long list of other things becomes internalized in us. And because the soul is very much related to the feeling nature of the experience of being alive, when we change careers then the soul that we've made is no longer able to interface with all those relationships. So it's just like if you get a divorce from someone you've been married to and they've, they've become part of your soul, and all of a sudden it feels as though even though you intellectually or consciously may know you need the divorce or want the divorce, having been through this, I was shocked at how much pain I was in and how I felt like something significant was missing inside of me, almost as though someone tore me in half. So the point I'm making is, is that it's easy for us to forget that what we think of as our soul is not simply our own soul. It is actually the feeling and the perceptual field that everybody in our life has contributed to. And since most of us, especially those of us that are driven people like you and I are that are, you know, that put our heart and soul into things, but a lot of people that go for financial abundance, they're so focused on it 
that if they have a career change, they go through this grieving cycle and, and, and very much the kind of crisis that would happen in a midlife crisis or a divorce or the loss of a loved one. But they don't realize it's because there's a disconnect from the flow of energy, information, connection to all these people. And therefore, when you weren't getting the calls anymore, it's as though what happened to this part of me, you know? So you kind of have to figure out how do you fill that hole in the soul? And that's where, you know, exploring new relationships and new ways of expressing yourself, I think, begins the, the mending process, which a lot of people don't don't realize that's why that's happening. I think it's a really important step, though. You know, if you read any of the ancient myths from all of these different religion uh, stories, right? Mm -hmm. Many of them have these periods of people going out into the woods, going out into isolation, right? Having these moments of time where they step away from the ordinary life, right? The whole hero's journey, yeah. this whole idea of stepping into the unknown and going into the cave, the yes. innermost cave. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what I did there. And it, it was one thing that I found really fascinating was that I had this primary identity in process-oriented psychology founded by Dr. Uh, Arnold Mandel. What we identify with, if we walked into a party and we said, you know, my name is Jason, I'm a trader, I'm a father, I'm this, I'm that, that's our primary identity. Yeah. And then there's this whole secondary part of us that we don't really identify with on an everyday basis. Well, when I went into that unknown, I wanted to throw away that primary identity. I said, you know, I don't want to be a trader. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go completely into the esoteric world. I want to study holistic, you know, nutrition and psychology and martial arts and all these things, only to find out that my real gift was being able to mend the two. Yeah. Ultimately, no matter how much I wanted to get away from that, mm -hmm. it actually was what I was here to do and it had to come back in a new form. So now yeah. that's really what the abundance archetype is, is really bridging the gap between what I learned from being on Wall Street and si sitting with the titans of Wall Street to what I learned with sitting with the masters of the heart and soul like yourself and then bridging those two and bringing them out. So no matter how much we want to get away from these parts of ourselves, they're always there. Yeah, well, you know, you 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 had the visceral experience of financial abundance, but lacked the holism of it. So, you know, in, in Ken Wilber's models of consciousness, there's levels and lines. So a person could be, for example, a very successful trader, but do very poorly in interpersonal relationships. Totally or be uh, very, very musically inclined, but have very, very low capacity for uh, financial abundance. Right. So you, you see that enlightenment can be very, very high in one area, but very low in other areas of a person's life. And I think to be whole, we have to look at what are the aspects of our life that we need a fairly high level of emotional and um, conscious awareness, emotional intelligence and conscious awareness. For example, you know, I taught you a tremendous amount about how to manage your diet and your lifestyle that was missing in your life, but it, because it was missing, it came at a real cost. You, you, you got very, very financially successful, but your health was deteriorating further and further, which is like a wheel getting further and further out of balance. So paradoxically, the, the, the pursuit of all that money and doing all the work that you had to do and managing all that stress actually gets to a point where it actually starts to break you because there's the, it's detracting from the other parts 
that keep the wheel round. Yeah, the know? paradox for me was the richer I, f- I was, the broker I felt. <laughs> That's a problem, yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was 26 years old. I, I had made millions of dollars, but I felt horrible, and I was depressed, and I was, I was on you know, the verge of death before I met you. And so, you know, I think for me, it, what, what this all comes down to is that, you know, abundance is health multiplied by wealth. It, it's the intersection of, of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being with also having money so that you can make an impact with it. And, you know, the thing too is I sort of equate money to freedom in many ways. And, to, you know, to eat certified organic food and, and, you know, maybe buy a cold plunge or a sauna and um, have a home gym or enough money to go to a good gym. After a while, especially if you got kids, like you, you realize today, you've got to have a pretty decent level of financial abundance. Totally. Because if you don't have a healthy lifestyle, the environment and the food that most people eat is so toxic that you're going to, you're going to, paradoxically live yourself into a disease or a mental, emotional, or psychological crisis, not even realizing that you're doing it. And so I think today we can, you know, be the yogi, we can be the the kind of the grounded in the earth farmer type, but if we don't have enough money to create the freedom to allow us to have the things that we need to hold that whole puzzle together, it becomes kind of like a um a house that was built with no nails, the wind can just blow it over so easy, you know? Yeah, totally. You know, money, it's so fascinating too, because of course we need to have physical money, but money is currency and currency is current. And and this this flow of energy, our, the way we flow our energy is really another form of, of money, right? Yes. You know, being compassionate to somebody, yeah. being inspiring to somebody, helping out your neighbor, right? Being a part of a community. Those are all alternative forms of money that we don't really think about that are really important as well. Yeah, they are. They're, they're super important because if we don't have those other kinds of money, then I think the money that we do have can actually um, create such a narrow perspective on what's important in life that it, it leads to a sort of a flatland of existence. You know, it's, it's a sad place to be. I've had to coach a lot of people out of flatland. Um, Jason, though I know you've been very successful at helping others become financially abundant, and since you've become a practitioner of process-oriented psychology, you've been helping people create abundance in all areas of their life. And I know from our personal conversations that you've ultimately concluded that there is no greater form of abundance than the abundance we invest in and create within ourselves as individuals, which is what you've been describing. Um, can you expand on how and why, after a lifetime of cultivating financial abundance, that you've come to this conclusion? You know, people are always asking me, "Hey, you you're on Wall Street. What, what what should I invest my money in? You know, should I buy stocks? Should I buy bonds? Should I buy commodities? Should I buy gold, Bitcoin, whatever it is?" And you know, I sit there and I think about the level of competitive edge that you need. You're talking about some of the smartest people in the world competing in those spaces with co- computers that are would eat your computer for breakfast. You yeah. know what I mean? With the, with the, the, the you're, they're looking at milliseconds or even smaller th- than that yeah. t- uh, in terms of computing power and speed to, to make these transactions work. So, yeah. you know, I always tell people you, you can't step into somebody else's playing field and expect, expect to do well. So I can't give you an answer in terms of, 
oh, you should, you know, this is the the golden answer of this stock or this investment is is risk free and it's just going to magically make it appear for you. <laughs> but the one thing that I can tell you is investing in yourself. Yeah. If you invest in yourself, it is the absolute best investment you can ever make. And because if you can fully individuate, there's nobody else on this planet in the history of the world, as you know, who has the unique skills and talents and strengths that you have. So the best way that you could actually make money is investing in yourself. So whether or not that's education or investing in your health or investing in marketing for your business or whatever it is, you're going to get the best return Mm -hmm. by investing in what you know. And what you know is yourself. Now, when you say investing in yourself, would that include things like if I was to invest in my home or my property or um, my children? uh, Where do you how do you kind of put the edge on investing in yourself? Where's the edge of that for you? Yeah, I think that that's an incredible way to look at it as well, that there's an incredible investment in investing in your home because you get to live there and that's making you healthy and your environment is you. And then you can bring that out into your world. But I think I'm really talking about more of a black and white, you know, things that might generate more money for you. Even in that context, the best thing you can do to make yourself more marketable to an employee, employer, the thing that you can do to bring your business out more into the, into the foreground for people mm-hmm. is really investing in yourself. It's not putting your money into a 401k or putting your money into a stock that you have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Right? You, you're not sitting on the board of directors. You don't know their products. You don't know the decisions they're going to make. But when you invest in something, you know, whether or not it's your own product or your own brand or, or even in, in your own education, or your own health, or hiring a coach, or a mentor, or whatever it is for you. Yeah. That's something that you can actually control. And I think that you get an exponential return on it. You've always had this capacity to ask good questions. Um, know when you're in over your head in certain areas of your life, and ask people like me or others that have the right experience to help you in that area. But you know, I've seen you work with Tai Chi masters, uh, Ram Dass, um, you know, um, Jeffrey, um, what's Jeffrey? Armstrong. Armstrong. Yeah. A lot of people. I mean, all sorts of people. Dr. Oliver, um, many other doctors, Rudy Vespor. So you, you've really done a very good job of um, not only investing in yourself, but preempting challenges that are unnecessary by saying, where do I need more knowledge and where do I need more practice so that I don't set myself up for challenges there by being ignorant or or not participating in my own life that way. Totally. Yeah. When I worked for Paul Tudor Jones, one of the greatest investors of all time, as you know, I've talked about him quite a bit to you. Yeah. He talks about in trading that you have to have an undying and unquenchable thirst for knowledge and information. Yeah. Right? You have to have that in trading. But I'll take that into life. Yeah. If you want to live your life to the fullest, if you want to have the best return on your life, you must have an undying and unquenchable thirst for knowledge and information so that you can make the best decisions for yourself. You must ask big questions. You know, you must have questioning as a meta skill is, is for me is one of the biggest keys. We, we, we squash our curiosity and the ability to ask big questions. You know, in our country, somebody who thinks about 
the kinds of things we think about isn't really revered. But if we were living in India, we probably right. somebody be washing our feet right now, saying like, you know, thank you for thinking about these existential questions. Right? Yes. Our culture marginalizes people who think about philosophical big questions about why are we here? You know, where are we going? Where did we come from? Right? Where, 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 where? What was our original face before we were born? You know, but in, in other countries around the world, and all the way back into antiquity, those were the most revered professions. You've you've probably heard me tell the story, but it's really appropriate to what you're saying. It's the story of one of the richest men in the world was uh, very unhappy and unhealthy, and he kept going to all these doctors, and nobody could help him. And he had this very skilled assistant who was one of these guys that could, you know, get anything done. So he said to his assistant, he said, "I need you to find somebody that can help me." feel better and, and, you know, deal with these challenges I'm facing. So the guy traveled all over the world looking for the right person, and he finally ended up in the mountains way up in the Himalayas where he had to ride donkeys and hike for days and days. And his research and investigations, people said, well, there's this wise old yogi way up in the mountains that he's the wisest man any of us have ever heard of. So he the assistant finally makes it to this guy and says, you know, this is what's going on with my boss. He's one of the richest men in the world. Can you help him? And the wise man says, yes, if you bring him here, but I'm not going to go to him. And so he treks all the way back, gets his boss and said, I found the guy that can help you. And they have to take this long journey. And of course, by the time his boss gets there, he's like, you know, days and days and days of traveling and, you know, not exactly first class. So he shows up and there's this old yogi with a long beard who's all scraggly, lives out in the woods sitting there. And the uh, the the rich man looks to his assistant. He says, this is the guy you brought me all the way out here who's supposed to help me? And he said, yes. And he says, he, he looks at the old man, Yogi, and he says, how in the world are you going to help me? You can't even afford to, a pot to piss in. And um, the Yogi looks at him, he says, if you're so rich, why did you always come all the way out here for my help? <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Right. You see, he, what the Yogi is telling him is that you don't have the right kind of rich to be whole. And I'm sitting here with nothing, and I'm in better shape than you. <laughs> I love that story. Hello, everybody. For the month of April, the Czech Institute is offering a special discount offer on all Integrated Movement Science Level 1 prerequisite courses. I designed the Integrated Movement Science Level 1 specifically to address what was missing in the personal trainer and strength coaching certifications worldwide. Why? Because the percentage of people at all ages engaging exercise professionals commonly show up with a variety of postural and muscle imbalance syndromes, unresolved and undiagnosed orthopedic injuries, and chronic health challenges such as global inflammation or metabolic syndrome, chronic fatigue, adrenal exhaustion, digestive and eliminative challenges, high levels of toxicity from the environment, and from eating non-organic foods that come in plastics cans and from cooking with toxic cookware, such as aluminum and cookware with Teflon linings. Teflon is used to stop foods from sticking to pans, but the problem is it sticks to you. 
a good example of why integrated movement science level one is so important for anyone that wants to master effective exercise program design for themselves or for any exercise or healthcare professional that designs corrective, general conditioning, or high-performance conditioning programs was demonstrated in a study that I read in a major medical journal about 10 years ago. The study was conducted by finding a large group of adults that had never had any back pain. The subjects were then given an MRI scan for the lumbar spine. The researchers found that 72% of the pain-free subjects had a lumbar disc bulge. When the MRI scans were put before a panel of orthopedic surgeons for analysis, they conducted that 50% of the subjects in the study were surgical candidates. These are the people going to gyms, engaging intense training programs like CrossFit and others, most often without any skillful training in exercise technique. It is exactly this kind of situation coupled with poor levels of general health that have led to a large number of people getting injured and not achieving their health and fitness goals, but often being in so much pain, they are debilitated and end up on multiple drugs needing surgery and frequently end up worse off than when they started going to a gym. Having seen this exact problem throughout my career and being a therapist to many such people and athletes of all skill levels that came to me for help with these kinds of problems, I felt it was my duty to develop IMS1 to both upskill health and exercise professionals so they know how to perform a holistic assessment and write a holistic coaching plan and to protect the public from unnecessary injuries and setbacks. IMS1 can be taken online at your leisure or attended live. What you will learn in this truly holistic training program is the essential check holistic principles, including how the male and female energies function through the autonomic nervous system and body, and how they relate to diet and lifestyle choices. You will learn the importance and application of my four-doctor system that shows you how to create a holistic diet, exercise, and lifestyle plan, which includes training on doctor happiness, doctor movement, doctor diet, and doctor quiet. You'll learn why posture is essential to understand and how to assess posture and correct posture with the skillful application of joint mobilization, corrective stretching, and corrective exercise prescription. How to perform specific length tension assessments to identify muscle imbalance syndromes and training on the scientific application of stretching and joint mobilization for corrective purposes. You will learn how to determine an individual's overall levels of stress and design holistic exercise programs that produced enhanced well-being. Additionally, you will learn how to assess and correct abdominal wall dysfunction and restore core function to the spine, which will provide extremity stability and how to break down a case history and design a client-specific holistic program to meet the client's unique needs. To enter this foundational training program online or live, there are three essential prerequisite courses that must be completed so you have a holistic-based education and have the necessary knowledge to prepare for your Integrated Movement Science Level 1 training, and they are all included in the special offer we have for this month of April. They are our Scientific Core Conditioning e-learning course, Scientific Back Training e-learning course, and Program Design e-learning course, all of which can be done in the comfort of your own home at your own pace. When you purchase your IMS1 prerequisite bundle in April, you will save 15%. The IMS1 prerequisites are not only essential for IMS1 students, but will enhance any health or exercise professional's mastery of assessment and correction for the core, back, and greatly enhance the effectiveness of your program design skills. 
These prerequisite courses are also ideal for any exercise enthusiast or athlete that wants to learn, heal, and get it right the first time. No promo code is needed. Simply go to shop.chekinstitute.com. That's shop.chekinstitute.com and get started today. If I was to take your course, usually we we go into foundation principles. You know, when you're doing education, you don't teach the how to slam dunk the basketball. First, you teach the basic rules of the game so that you build on the foundation. So I'm curious, what's, what have you put first in the course so that you really lay the foundation for the developmental steps that they go through in the course? Yeah, so th- this course, and you know, this is based off a lot of your teachings, but the whole idea is to create what is an individuated, what is your unique process of abundance? What, right. is, what is your archetype? What is your organizing motif or source code of abundance? And so, you know, I really encourage you in the beginning sections of this course to really start thinking about what is, well, you know, what's your dance? What's your song? What's your vision? What's mm. your story? What's your model of success? And so the first thing you need to do is I take you through six phases of developing your process, Yes, your process to your work and your life, right? This is your, your way or your highway. This is your journey or your road to abundance. You know, Frank Sinatra said, I did it my way. Yeah, right? I love it. Yeah. And that's, so that's the key. It's like, let's do it our way. And, and, you know, as you know, there's hundreds of thousands of diet books out there, but yeah. there's, there's more obese people than ever. So, And most of the people that wrote those books aren't even healthy. <laughs> right. So, you know, me giving you, here's the, the, the solution is not going to help you. But the idea is I'm here to guide you into help finding your unique process to success in all areas of your life. So the first thing that we do is we define what's our competitive edge. And so what I mean by that is when I worked for Paul Tudor Jones, and so what I, what I realized was I looked back at all the things that made me a good investor. I studied Paul Tudor Jones. I sat with him for almost 15 years. You know, I sat next to, to, to the, one of the greatest traders of all time, and he was a very deep thinker about trading. Mm-hmm. But what I realized is that the same rules that he had for trading, if you apply them to your life, you can be equally as successful. It was a very interesting thing for me to realize because he never really took it that far. He was always thinking about just from an investment standpoint. So the first thing that he would do when, when some, a new employee or you know, a, a potential hire would come into the office, he would say, explain to me in one to two sentences at a fifth grade reading level, how is it that you make money? What's your strategy or your alpha, your differentiating factor? You know, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, right? And so the the whole idea was is first getting down to like, what is it that makes you great? You know, if if, if we're going to talk about your podcast, it's like, what is it that separates Living 4D from every other podcast out there? And really knowing that and honing in on that. So that's the first step in, in, in the business is like, what is it that is, separates us from everyone else? But then we have to ask ourselves, what, where do, how, what's our competitive edge in life? You know, what creates stable, repeatable returns for, for us in our life? What's our mode of diet? Mm-hmm. What's our exercise routine that works for us? How much sleep do we need? How much meditation do we need? What makes us happy? What style of learner are we? What are our strengths and weaknesses and so on? So the first step is really identifying that. The danger of of um, entering the dance or the story of life is that we really have a big 
issue of people doing either what their parents wanted them to do or what they have been conditioned to believe is the best way to make money. Yes. You know, so yes. it has nothing to do with what they really want to do. You know, they may want to be a, a sculptor or a potter, but they end up going to school to become a lawyer because they think, or their parents have convinced them, you're never going to make a good living as a potter, but you can make a good living as a lawyer or a doctor or a dentist or whatever. And so, you know, I think what's hard for people is because, I don't know, what, what would you guess? What percentage of, of culture worldwide orients themselves towards, not towards what they really want to do, but what they think they have to do based on what they've been told by school teachers and, and parents? I, I think in, in our culture, it's a very high percentage. And I think it's the absolute killer of mastery and it potential, yes. right? If, you're a, if you always wanted to be a painter, and your and your parents came to you and said, "Paul, you you can't be a painter. You'll never make money painting. You either can be a lawyer or a doctor. And let's just say you choose a doctor and you go to medical school. There is no way you're going to be on the cusp of cutting edge medicine. Right. You're going to be there punching the clock in, yep. doing your eight hour shift, going Passing home, drugs, watching out five hours of CNN at night or whatever you, <laughs> you do to pass the time. But you know, if you hey, if you if you love medicine." You always wanted to be a doctor since you were a kid, and it's like, that's your dream. Well, you're likely going to be the one who does great at it and actually makes really good you know, research and cutting-edge medicine and, and a lot of advancements. If you look at all of the greatest masters in the world, you know, if we're talking about Bruce Lee or Einstein or whomever, they all absolutely love their work. Yeah. And in your model, the one love, you know, it's the first thing. And so, you know, I, I, I think this is where my, my, in my eight keys to mastery, which we'll get into a little bit, this is the first step. You know, we're jumping ahead, but if you don't love what you do, there's no way I don't think that you can actually be great at what you do. I think you're, you're likely to be normal or average at best. And that's not really abundance. No, it's not. It's the ideal aim of the unsuccessful, as our friend Carl Jung says. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, yeah, or he also says, um, the average man can never be successful. Right. You know, and, and there you have it. And, you know, it's sad to see so many people settle for being average. I mean, it's really kind of a meager existence. I mean, if you're an average lover, then you never really enjoy great love. If you're an average lover in bed, then you never really have great sex. If you're an average exerciser, then you never really true know, truly know what your body can do. I mean, I can go on and on. Being average is really a dead zone. Yeah. And, 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 and life is so much more, it's so rich when you take the chance to dare to be great. Absolutely. Right. Even if you fall on your face and fail, it's way better than the person who never takes a shot. Well, you know, falling on your face and failing at what you really love to do or, or in, in pursuit of your greatness is actually a, a, a growth experience. It's because now you know for sure that didn't work. Right. Or that you need more skill in that area. But, you know, I mean, I, I've studied the biographies of over 150 of the world's greatest thinkers and achievers, and not one of them had an easy go at it. If you think about the the most famous baseball players in the Hall of Fame, they have like a 300-some-odd batting average, yeah. which means they strike out or get out seven out of ten times, right? Right. Nobody cares about how many strikeouts they have. They just mm. care about you know how many times they got on base. But yeah. We don't really think about that, that failing and risking is, is part of success and part of greatness. Even Victor Wooten says, you know, just, just go for a note because yeah. you're only ever a half step away from the note, right? Yeah. From the right note. So mm -hmm. you got to get out there and try and especially 
please, you know, do what you love to do. You know, one of the one of the ways that I work with this is one of the things I learned from Carlos Castaneda from the awesome books of of Don Juan. And he and he and Don Juan teaches in that book, use your death as your spiritual advisor. That's great. Right. He says your death is sitting behind you, behind your left shoulder. And every time you're unsure about certain, uh, unsure about something in your life, turn around and ask your death what you should do. <laughs> ask yourself this question. If I had but one week to live, what would I be doing with my time? Because then it would, it would be meaningful. We, we have such an edge to thinking about our death. But if we, if we actually embrace the fact that our time here is short, it probably would make us make better decisions now mm-hmm. and, and, and not say, oh, I'm going to wait till I'm 60 to do what I really love or mm-hmm. I need to wait 30 years to get that pension. It's really, you know, you, you, I found it much <laughs> more, more important and, and, and really a key to my success to live each day like, I don't know if this is my last day. Yeah. I don't know if an 18-wheeler is going to run me off the road today. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really important thing. And th- th- there's quite an interesting paradox I wanted to ask you about, actually, and that is that on one hand, I think you have to live each day like it's your last. But I also think that it's important to know that you have multiple lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Because if not, if we live each day like it's our last, it could give people a license just to take whatever they want and just say, oh, well, I got to just eat everything and extract everything. You know, I think you have to live each day like it's your last day, but also have the worldview that you need a place to come back to and, and think about a seven generational return with, what, with, with everything that you're doing. Two things based on what you're saying. One, young people don't ever think they're going to die. Right. So it's hard for younger people until you get into you know around 50 when you hit 50 you go okay the the clock's ticking man real. I'm, I'm i'm not a kid anymore and you know i am gonna die but when you're in your 20s for example you think you're you know bulletproof and you can you know jump on everything jump over everything fall off of anything and you you know you do stupid stuff like pulling wheelies and on street bikes with no helmet on and you know many have died doing that and so I think the one aspect is it's hard for younger people to talk to the angel of death over their left shoulder because they don't have any reason to believe that there's any angel of death there. I think the other thing, too, that complicates the paradox you described is because unless you're fairly well spiritually developed and have at least done some pretty decent study, the concept of another life after this, or ex- multiple lives, reincarnation, is very, very subjective. It's almost like a story that you've got to believe in. Unless you've had a real experience like we've had in deep shamanic ceremonies, or someone like me that is a, a remote viewer and has aware- an awareness of how God really works, or people like me and Angie and others that I know that can communicate with people on the other side, you don't really have any tangible evidence so people try to force it all into one lifetime and they so they either take the road that this is all i can do and that's you know in other words they they cop out they go half mast on the sailboat they're never really putting their heart into it or they're working so hard at it to try to you know get usually financial abundance that they miss out on the rest of their life so the, the point of what that I'm making in, in summary is just that because the idea of 
afterlife is so subjective and we live in such a left brain culture, most people have a really hard time even entertaining that. So they end up trying to live their myth out in one lifetime, which really, like you said, leads to a problem because you, if you have that one lifetime belief, then it can also lead to, well, I don't give a shit if the forests are burned down because I won't burn here, be here. I don't care if we use up, kill the oceans because I'm not going to be here. If it takes 50 years to fish the oceans out and I'm 50 now, it's not my problem. Right. So it's very easy to pass the buck with that mentality. Yeah, I think I, I, I think it's it's the missing vitamin in our education system. Very much so. I think one of the, the major problems we have, you know, either we, whether or not it's just this idea of consuming everything or even a lot of the stress that we hold as a society, especially in the West, is because we think we only have one life. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about my education, right? One of the main reasons I wanted to do this course is because it wasn't until you, I met you in my late 20s, that I actually got answers to some of the questions I had when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, I know you, when you were a kid, you were sitting in church and asking big questions and couldn't find the answers. You're like, what, what are these people thinking? You know, we go through school. We don't learn anything about what the soul is. No. Can you, I mean, it, it's mind boggling to me that you can, I can go through a very good education, the, one of the top universities in the country, and nobody actually taught me who I really am. Yeah. That I am not this body that I'm, I was struggling to be in, but that I'm the one that's looking through its eyes. Yeah. You know, nobody taught me how to eat. Nobody taught me how to move. Nobody taught me how to sleep, right? Or breathe. or All of yeah. these things that, that are, you know, really entrenched in my course and especially in the Czech Institute. And so education is the real big problem. In, in, in ancient cultures, they would look at a child. First, they'd look at the astrology of the kid and say, okay, what astrologically does this child have an inclination to do and what might they be good at? Then they actually watch the kid see what they're good at, see what they love to do, and then encourage their training and their education in that field where we have these assembly line education systems, unless you're in you know, Waldorf schools like our kids are. Which is about a millionth of 1% of the population. Yeah. And so you know, we're, we're in these things. I, I, I thought it was fascinating. My, my, one of my best buddies is, was the one who built my new house. You know, we were, we were, we were, it's actually a funny story. We were, we were in third grade together, and I looked at him and I said, I have, I have this idea. One day, I think you're going to build, build a house for me. And then, <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. And then That's 35 hilarious. years later, he's, he's, he's <laughs> my best bud and he built, he built my house. That's great. But it's because I could see at that time that I, I had this vision of being this big trader guy and I could see how good he was with his hands. He was fixing everything in our house that my dad couldn't fix and all these <laughs> things. And so, but I, I asked him recently, I said, do you find it amazing that at that time I could identify that we had totally different skill sets, but yet we got the exact same education throughout high school. Right. Right. I mean, nobody actually sat him down or sat me down and said, hey, you're good at this. You're good at this. You're good. At this. You like this. You like working with your hands. Let's give you more of that. Let's give you internships and mentorships in, in that field so that you could actually become a master in something you love to do and make a big impact on the world. But that then doesn't happen. Did you ever see the video by, it's Prince EA. I don't know how people pronounce the EA. But it's, I sued the education department and won. Have you ever seen that? I don't know. Tell me about it. Oh, it's this guy, Prince EA. He does a beautiful job of it, but he, he puts on this whole court case. It's really right. beautifully done. I mean, it's like he's acted out and everything. And so he takes the school, the education system worldwide to court. Right. And it's kind of like uh, Sean O'Leary's book, um, 
setting God free where he he takes Christianity to court <laughs> and he takes the Christian God to court and destroys them, you know? Uh. And uh, the reason I brought that up is because it's exactly what you're saying. He's talking about how kids are not learning anything and the education hasn't changed, but he goes, look how much phone technology has changed. Look at all these different areas that technology changed, but, but our education system is the same as it was 150 years ago. You can take a flight from LA to New York and it takes the same amount of time that it did about 50 years ago. Yeah. Right. I mean, we have technology that is, I mean, you just. But it costs a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> right. The seats are smaller and yeah. the food's worse. And the and food's worse, yeah. yeah. They might make you wear a mask. Yeah, like so, that. you know. The, the it's t- actually good the decline. And that's actually a really interesting point is that so much of our society for what has actually increased on the surface is actually a devolution yeah. from from ancient societies, right? If we look back at our ancestors, especially if we go back thousands of years, they were way more evolved than we are now. Absolutely. They certainly know how to take care take care of themselves. Interestingly, as a therapist, I've noticed there's a correlation between the amount of time someone spends looking at social media and televisions and their health. Right. The more time they spend engaging computer screens, the less healthier they are. And I mean the less mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, and physically healthy. Yeah, here's a tip I have for you about making money. Unless you are actually doing a service with your social media where you're promoting your brand or you're getting a message out there which is helping people or promoting your business, yeah. get off it. Yeah. Because it is the biggest waste of your time and energy, money and resources and the worst possible way for you to, to live an abundant lifestyle. I've only, I've never had a social media. I went on there recently because I think it's really important now to get my message out about the abundance archetype. Yeah. But I had, to, I, I was so reluctant to it because I know how much it actually drains me from my own flow state because it's so freaking addicting. I mean, I don't find it addicting personally just because maybe I'm older and I've watched all this stuff come and go. And But for me, I find it just a vacuum for time, you know, and, and, because whenever you put something out, it's just natural to say, well, you know, how, how do people like it, you right. know? And so, you you know, you like I can, I can put a, a post out that might get 60, 50, 60,000 views, but then there might be 130 comments. So, you start reading them and you think, oh, I got a minute here. Well, the next thing you know, an hour's gone by and you're yeah. sitting here typing these little thank yous and hearts and hugs and namastes and and you know, trying to help confuse people, figure out what they couldn't see that was obvious to you. And and so my point is, is that you can spend a lot of time that's unproductive time. And I, you know, when I watched Prince EA's video, which has millions of views, I noticed he had, it, there was no way you could answer or leave a comment. And I've seen some people learn that you just don't engage that because of that, you know, and because of the fact that there's so many trolls and people that, are just so negative that it can it can actually the problem is you can actually think that people are really feeling that way but you don't know how much of this stuff is just ai technology they're out there to oppose anything that the you know the powers that be don't want you to engage hello everybody i'm sure you're all aware of the importance of heart health and the challenges that people are having with their hearts worldwide due to what's been going on in the world in the last three years well symbiotica's brand new product heart health may be just the solution we need heart health is something that we all need and may be one of the most important supplements that anyone that's been vaccinated in the past three years can take 
Heart health improves cardiovascular health, balances cholesterol levels over time, supports circulation, and healthy aging. Symbiotica's heart health also aids the digestive system, improves liver function, and reduces risk of heart attack. Symbiotica's new heart health formula is enhanced with CoQ10, a powerful antioxidant that may reduce the negative effects of oxidative stress. If you want to support your heart now, Symbiotica's heart health is a great idea. To get your heart health, go to bit.ly, that's bit.ly forward slash C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A L4D. That's bit.ly L-Y forward slash Symbiotica L4D. It's not case sensitive. To get your Living 4D discount of 15%, use the promo code capital L, capital 4, capital D, 15 on checkout. Once again, that's bit.ly forward slash Symbiotica L4D. 15% off by using the code capital L, number 4, capital D, 15 on checkout. Enjoy heart health with Symbiotica. Many of us think about where our money's going. Yeah. You can spend money and get it back in a return, right? You can invest yeah. in something and you could actually get more back. Once you spend your time, it's gone. Yeah. Right? So time, you know, distractions are the key of flow states. So like, you know, let's just say you're there working and you're, you're in the flow. All of a sudden, a text message or a comment comes up. You may say to yourself, this only takes one to two minutes for me to answer this little comment or this text or send this little heart or namaste. But the reality is the flow science says that once you're distracted, it can take up to 30 minutes to get back into the zone. Yeah. So if you're there writing your amazing book and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door, it takes you a minute to answer the door. It could take you up to 30 minutes again to get back into that highly productive state when you're in the flow. Yeah. So what I encourage everyone to do is take a week and do a budget of your time. At the end of this, at the end of the day, look at how much how you spent your time from morning, noon, and night, and then put them into categories and see what are the biggest time suckers and what are the things that are actually helping you to be productive. Right, because a lot of people that tell me they don't have time to exercise or don't have time to make their own food, when I look at what they're doing, they're you know how much time are you playing video games, how much time are you spending on social media, how much time are you watching junk television, how much time are you spending in uh, fast food, junk food places, how much time you spend in coffee shops, um, how much time do you spend reading things that aren't really helping you in any way. I mean, I've gone through this with patients and added up six hours of wasted time. And another interesting thing is having studied um, some of Earl Nightingale's books, Earl Nightingale says something really important. He says, time cannot be managed. We all have 24 hours a day only activities can be managed. And I think that's an important concept, right? There's every, The day is the same in duration for every one of us, so it really boils down to what activities we put in the day. Yeah, we, we, must, we must be defenders of distractions and defenders of our time. Peter Drucker, this organizational uh, development guy, says, first things first, second things never. <laughs> yeah, I like I'm going to adopt that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we really must always identify what's the first thing first right now. Yeah. Stop this multitasking stuff, right? It doesn't work effectively. We must really identify like what is our, our goal and objective. We must look at what parts of the day are best for us to do certain kinds of work. Yeah. You know, you can be five times more productive when you're in the flow than when you're out of the flow. 
this is this is research by uh, by McKinsey and various other organizations that Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel put out there. But they say that executives say that when in when they're in flow states, they're five times more productive than when they're not. So like literally, you could show up Monday and be more productive than your colleagues do Monday through Friday that are are being distracted by th- right. things. You're highly more uh, creative. You have much more pattern recognition. You have access to future uh, prediction, and in fact. It actually makes your immune system improve, right? Yeah. So you're actually feeling better and you actually have more productivity, less sick days, all of these things. Because being distracted is stressful. Right. If you, like I'm writing, as you know, I've been writing nonstop for three years to get this series of books out. And I get interrupted a lot because there's so few people in the world that really love what they do and focus not because they have to, but because it's important to them to give birth to whatever they're creating. Like, you know, most great songwriters wouldn't put themselves in the middle of a hotel lounge because they would be getting interrupted constantly by everything going on. So the point I'm driving at is how do you manage it when you are focused and you really have passion for what you're doing, and you really want to do it, and you don't want to be interrupted, but other people around you just don't understand. They almost think you're weird. The more folks you are, it's almost like the more you become a magnet for the unfocused people. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like flies buzzing you Well, the, the moth time. always goes to the brightest light. That's right? true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that is very true. But that doesn't help me well, solve the issue. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think you do some of these tactics already, but it just some simple tips for people at home. For me, I think it's really important, when, you know, what I say to my family. You know, I think literally putting like a color sticker or a visual sign on your door yes. and it says like i'm in flow yeah. you know or stop sign or yeah. something cuz for me i can tell my family look i can go into my office for 2 hours uninterrupted and i could be highly productive and then i can have more time to spend with you and do the things we love to do but if you keep coming in and interrupting me it's going to take me 3 4 5 6 hours i'm going to have no time yes. for you so it's re- it's really finding the times of the day and even the times of the month yeah. Right. This is a whole thing about that I think is, is interesting about moon cycles. I just was filming something on this at home. You know, we, we live every day like it's, it's the new moon, right? We, you know, w- women's menstruation cycles are tied to the moon if, if they're healthy. Yeah. Right. So at the new moon, they're ovulating and the full moon, they're menstruating. And so they have these high levels of energy around the new moon. And then they have these lower levels of energy and lo- lower levels of release of hormones ra- around the full moon. And they're supposed to be going in inside and, you know, resting and reflecting, right? Yeah. And this is not for only for women. In fact, like there are many, many studies that shows men's testosterone levels or yeah. energy levels or mood levels, our relational challenges are all tied to the moon. We have the same tides. We have the same tides, right? I and mean, we have the same hormones, just in different proportions. We're 80% water. We know, we. it's unbelievable to me to, that everyone knows that the moon affects the tides of the ocean. But like, it also correlates to our high and low tides in our body, right? Yeah. And so setting up your day and also setting up your month around, in, in accordance with the flow of nature, what times of the day work best for you to be in the flow? What times of the day work best for you to be creative where you can have isolation versus you know when you, when you need to be with your family or exercising? And then also like the times of the month so that you're working with nature and that in the times when your energy levels are going to be at the highest, maybe around the new moon, that's when you really have your big projects, your podcasts, your meetings, your big workouts, and then spending time to rest and reflect at the times of the, uh, of the month in the cycle when your energy is lower and you're supposed to be going in. That's working. That's the art of sailing versus the art of rowing. Yeah, that's a great concept, sailing versus rowing. 
one, you're getting supported by the environment. The other one, you're just working hard to get there because you got to deal with the friction of a boat against the water. Yeah, so many of us wake up each day like it's the a perpetual new moon, right? Every day is the biggest workout. Every day is the big CrossFit. Every day is the big meeting. You know, it's we have to live with these cycles of nature, and when we do, we we have more effortless abundance. One of the things you said earlier was that the same principles that you use in trading actually can be used in your life and to create abundance in other areas. Yeah. And when you said that, it what what rose up in me is scientifically in, in quantum physics, they say that everything in the created universe is really energy and information. There is nothing else. Right. And trading is the movement of energy and information. So it's really nothing else. Too. <laughs> yeah. And so when we when you said that to me, my mind went, well, that makes sense because Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're moving money or you're moving food or you're moving a product or you're um, a singer or a dancer. It has to do with the flow of energy and information. It's the same principles. Let me give you a few examples. So once you have this competitive edge, right, once you know your edge, let's just say, you know, you go to the casino, right? You go to the casino, you play roulette. The roulette board, the the house has a 2% edge, right? There's an equal number of black and red and there's two green. So every spin someone does on the roulette, on any one roll, the house knows doesn't know if they're going to win or lose, right? They don't know the the outcome of any one roll, but they know if they play long enough right. and en- no, enough times that they're going to collect that two percent edge, and that's what we're really focusing on here. So once you know your edge in trading, you want to adjust your unit sizing or your bet size according with the opportunity set in front of you. So when you have a large opportunity, you bet big. When you have a small opportunity, you bet you bet small, right? It's it's it kind of makes sense, but so many people don't think about it in their, in, in their investing. They go into their four hundred one ks or whatever. They put I'm going to put ten thousand dollars in everything equally, but no, you have to size your trades according to the the level of opportunity you have. Mm-hmm. Now the same thing happens in your life. Yes, your units are your time, your energy your resources, your money, your awareness, your presence, right? All of these things that you teach in, in, in many of your courses. And so we need to look at each of the things that we're doing in our life and see, is, is this actually going to create a long-term benefit for us? Is this diet you know, uh, worth investing in? Is this relationship worth investing in? Is this activity worth investing in? And actually, what's the return on life? What's the return on investment? And then the return on life. So, you know, I, I ask people to think about the risk reward. Risk reward in trading is a big thing. You know, you might, you know, we, we talk about wanting to have asymmetric risk reward, where we're going to bet $1 to make three. And you do that over and over again, you could have the small loss and the small loss, and then the big win. And then over time, you're not taking huge losses and, and you're being successful. But how do we do that in our life? What's the risk reward of our food choices? Yeah. What's the risk reward? You found out. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the risk reward of any relationship choice? Yeah. What's the risk reward? So, you know, sleep, for example, is probably what I found the best risk reward on the planet. It is. It's, it's absolutely risk-free and it's a huge upside. Yeah. And it works. Now, what about going out for drinks after work with your buddies? You know, maybe there's a little bit of reward. 
like maybe you get some information, maybe you have a little bit of fun, but there could be a lot of risks. You could do something that you have to live with for the rest of your right. life. Right. You could get into a fight. You could get somebody pregnant. You throw your blood sugar off. You can't sleep very well. You gain yeah. weight. I mean, and, and, this is a long list. And of- there's a huge intersectionality in that how that correlates to your performance, right? You go out at night and you're dehydrated. You come in and hangover. You perform poorly. You perform poorly. You come home stressed from work. You're stressed from work. You get into a fight with your spouse. Yeah. You get in a fight with your spouse. You're performing poorly the next day, right? Right. It's like a cascade, yeah. You know, like a kinetic chain of events that you can set off with an extra couple of drinks. So the, 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 this whole risk reward, I mean, is very interesting. Even in, in the love languages, mm-hmm. right? You know, the the physical touch, the words of affirmation, the quality time, um, acts gifts. of service, yeah. and gifts. Yeah. Let's just say that that Kara, my wife, let's just say her her um, her love language is is acts of service, mm-hmm. right? For her, the most valuable thing I could do for her is probably give her an hour to take a bath and by watching the kids, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take the kids out That's of the house. That's worth more than a million dollars. So let's just say I come home with a $10,000 necklace to give to her. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to actually get a great return on that. Right. But if I came home and I said, hey, let me watch the kids for two hours so you can get a massage. Yeah. That doesn't cost me anything, but there's a huge return, right? Yeah. And so these are the kind of ways that I teach people to actually look at their life and, you know, look at their their food choices. What are they investing in? What's the return on investment in their body? And what's the risk and reward? The the, the risks of, of a crappy diet are medical bills and needed vitamins and doctors and surgeries and all these kinds of things. And the knock on effects on the environment. Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, th- there's, a, there's a million ways to skin that cat, but that's like just a little bit of, of, of the way that you can look at it. And then it goes into even the third phase is evaluating your process, right? Once you have this edge and once you put on these units and you make these decisions in your life, looking at how are they working for you, right? So in trading, you can look at your wins and losses and the distribution of them. But there are so many ways that you've taught me to evaluate how things are working for you in your life, looking in the mirror, looking at the stools, you know, looking at your stool, looking at your mood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so forth and so forth. Your, your vi- skin. level of vitality, your skin, your cognitive clarity, your emotional stability. There's a lot yeah. of ways. And this all comes from your readiness uh, Daily assessment. readiness assessment. Daily yeah. readiness, yeah. Jason, you've mastered the creation and use of, uh, use of systems for feedback so we don't wander too far from what I call the dream line. And you know what the dream line is for the listeners I created a system where you monitor your four doctors each day, doctor happiness, diet, quiet, and movement, and you, you, you yourself identify how far off the mark you are by over-participating, uh, say, in happiness at the expense of going to sleep, for example. And then at the end of the month, I give you a report that shows how close to your dreamline or how far you wandered. And so... Um, Jason's developed systems of feedback so we don't wander too far from the dream line. Can you give us an overview of why these systems of feedback are so important and what some of the systems you share in your course are? Yeah, so once you have this competitive edge and once you you, you know what's giving you repeatable returns and then you're investing appropriate units of energy, time, money, resources in them. Right. You set up these systems of evaluation like we talked about, looking at your stools or tracking your progress at work. And then you need to do what Carlos Castaneda become, uh, talks about, stalking yourself. Right. This is such an interesting thing. The art of stalking oneself. You know, you have to really become a detective of all your habits, your behaviors, your choices, and most importantly, 
your body, right? Your body is giving you so much information that we're normally missing. So think about it in trading. You know, in process work, we, we talk about this as double signals or body, uh, body symptoms, uh, using them as your ally. Yeah, why don't you define what a double signal is? Because that's a classic shamanic term that Mendel uses in his um, uh, books on shamanism. Yeah. But most people don't know what a double signal is. I think that's a very important concept. Yeah, like we've all had the experience of talking to somebody on the street and saying, oh, hey, how are you? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. But their whole body's saying no. Yeah, it's when your verbal content is saying something. But something in your body is saying something else, right? Right. So you know, imagine you're about to shake hands uh, with somebody on a business deal, and as you go to shake their hand, they turn their eyes away from you. Right. There's something in there. There's something in the. Or it's an empty handshake. Yeah. There's something in the. You know, I think something like ninety percent of the information comes from nonverbal. Right. It comes yeah. from our body. Something like eight. It's fifty-five percent. Okay. Fifty-five percent is um, gesture and posture. Yeah. But then there's more that we feel. So it exactly. probably is higher. What I'm saying is less than 10% comes from what we actually say. say yeah. And the other 90 some odd percent comes from all the other things that are happening in our body. Right. So, you know, think about, you know, if we're about to put on a trade or we're about to make an investment in anything in our life, right? We go there and so many times we've had this feeling of maybe uh, something that's happening in our stomach, a little nausea or a little headache. So many people will just run and take an as- aspirin or, or, a pill, yeah. or a pill or something. But what if that is actually a, a, a sign, a signal, the wisdom of our body telling us we need to rethink what we're doing? Yes. This is so key in, in, uh, in, in the working world. You know, if you're a boss and you're, you're going to go to your employee and say, hey, are you okay taking on this project? And, and you notice something in them that, you know, they say yes because they feel like they have to, but right. there's something in their body language that's telling you there's, there's a possibility no. It, you know, instead of just saying, taking them at their word, ask them to go back and really think about it. Is this the right decision for you? Because if not, they're probably going to do the job poorly right. and it's going to affect you and the, the entire business. Mm-hmm. So we start to look and hunt down these double signals, these places in ourselves where we're not congruent. We use our body symptoms and the signals of our body to actually give us a lot more information about what we might be missing that we're not conscious of. We've got such a highly mental culture and, and it's become a worldwide thing because we've infected the even the most uh, third world countries. I mean, you got African kids that can't even afford to eat walking around with cell phones, for example. So they're always engaging the mental realm, the realm of ideas. And even in religious systems, there's very, very little at all uh with regard to paying attention to what your body is telling you, you know, Christianity, the Abrahamic religions, you know, largely orient the body towards something sinful and something you're, you know, you detach from. But the key thing that people don't realize is the subconscious mind is the wisdom of your cells and your unconscious mind interfaces with your body through your instincts. So if you're in your unconscious, Bruce Lipton says, has a million times more processing power than your conscious mind. Right. So if you're someone's selling you on a new house or a new car or you're sitting in a lecture and someone's presenting a topic and all of a sudden you're feeling queasy in your stomach, most people wouldn't drop their consciousness down and say, what is it that I'm really feeling? 
they would think that their body has a problem, not that their body's telling them that this information isn't accurate. Exactly. And that is one of the biggest things that I use to generate wealth on Wall Street is actually paying attention to these exact things. And this is what I teach in, in this course. And in fact, it's actually one of the crucial things, I think, to healthy relationships, right? Paying attention to your partner's signals and paying attention to your own. You know, if your partner comes to you and says, or you go to them for that matter and say, hey, do you want to go out to dinner tonight? And you see them sort of like slouching or turning away and they're like, their energy drops, their posture sinks, some subtle signal. But they say, oh, yeah, 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 I'll go. You wind up going to dinner with them that night and getting into a fight or having a miserable time or creating some kind of problem where if you just said, hey, I noticed there's something there in you that, that, you, know, that you said yes, but are you sure you want to go? And, and if, you help, if you help them draw that out, they might say, well, you know, I really do want to go, but tonight I, I really rather, I'm a little bit tired. I'd rather stay home and watch a movie with you on yes. the couch and tomorrow night we can go out to dinner. There you go. These things are, are, are so crucial for our investing, for, for listening to our own body and letting it guide us and then actually paying attention to the other people that we're in relationship with, noticing their signals. And it can actually be a hell of a lot of fun because you, know, you can be a, kind of a, a real detective. When I'm working with my clients, most of the time I'm working at I'm looking at what their what their bodies are telling me. Mm-hmm. Where's the when when they're when I'm doing a dream with them? Mm-hmm. I'm seeing the parts where they get animated, mm-hmm. where their hands come up all of a mm-hmm. sudden or where they look away or their body tells me something that's not congruent. And these are the doorways into a creative process and into more information. The other part of that is that the subconscious mind cannot lie. Exactly. Right? So a person's gestures and facial expressions and posture is telling a truth that the mind can play tricks with and say, yes, I'll go to dinner, but the body's saying, no, I want to stay home and watch the movie. And it's important to understand that because the subconscious mind won't tell a lie because it's a threat to its own survival, you know, if you if you lie to your tribe about where food and water is, they, they all die. You know, you might be drinking and eating. Right. And feeling just fine, but no one can survive alone. So if you're, you know, if the people that are in the tribe are, are starving because you're lying, you're decreasing your own chances yeah. of survival. Which so, is why muscle testing works. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that it's just important for people to realize that's one of the reasons it's important to have a healthy body because it's an instrument that gives guidance. It's a truth detector. It's, yeah. It's a water finder. My right? body is my greatest investment tool. Absolutely. And so when you treat your body well, when you're not in fight or flight, right? So your body's well fed, nourished, it's sleeping, mm-hmm. you have a relationship with it, yeah. you can start to use it to actually help you make better decisions in your investments and your life. It's yeah. it's an it's your your bet your most incredible asset. You know, you talk about there's four point nine billion years of evolution yeah. in our bodies. Yes. Right. Talk about market testing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's market testing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Compared to something that's out on you know, uh, some biohacking tool that's yeah. out for six months or yeah. six years or whatever. Yeah. Right. There's so much wisdom. There's so much wisdom in our dreaming. Yes. There's so much wisdom in the intelligence of our heart. There's so much wisdom in, in our DNA and the cells in our body. And when you can actually tap into this that's real artificial intelligence i think yeah well i think that's official intelligence or artificial intelligence yeah uh, uh, yeah it's 
you know, artificial is artificial, but this is official, right? There's yeah, no, it's real intelligence. You're right. I think the artificial intelligence is believing our mind when instead of listening to our bodies. That's true. Because then you you find out that you're what you were so sure of turns out to be you know a pain in the ass yeah. quite often. It's like, oh shit, why do they do that? You know, yeah. like you said, you go to dinner and you end up in a fight instead of having a great time. Yeah. Hi everyone. Please raise your hand if you enjoy having dried out, aged looking skin, wrinkled skin, acne, skin blemishes that make you look unhealthy, or skin that itches from lack of supportive nutrients. No hands? Just what I expected. You know, even though I'm a 60-year-old man, I still want healthy skin because looking good helps me feel good too. Our skin is a living barrier that protects us from the sun, the elements, and a myriad of invasive organisms that try to enter us through our skin. Anyone that understands skin knows that good complexion begins on the inside, and that's exactly why Organifi created Organifi Glow, so you and your family can be healthy, stay young, and feel and look great from the inside out. My family and I love Organifi Glow, and so does our skin. This refreshing blend of organic nutrients not only tastes great, it supports your body's innate collagen production and promotes brighter, radiant skin. Boost your hydration and nourish your skin with 13 clinically studied superfoods. And unlike most companies that claim to be organic, Organifi does use certified organic nutrients and has been the only company that could show me their certifications upon request. Organifi Glow supports and promotes collagen synthesis so you regenerate beautiful skin naturally, supports and promotes hydration, nourishes your skin from the inside out by optimizing skin hydration. Organifi Glow includes Tremella Mushroom, which provides five times the moisture of hyaluronic acid, which is commonly used in skin products to increase moisture. Organifi Glow offers a delicious raspberry lemonade taste, but unlike most plant-based products, is certified to be free of glyphosate, which is extremely important today. It also includes plant-based collagen from bamboo, which is a very rare ingredient because most collagen is animal-based. Not only that, Organifi Glow includes bioavailable vitamin C from Acerola Cherry with all its natural cofactors that support absorption and supports your immune system at the same time. Additionally, it's important to remember that your skin is often a reflection of your gut health. The collagen and prebiotic fiber in Organifi Glow has been shown to improve gut health by repairing the gut lining and feeding healthy bacteria in our microbiome, so not just your skin, but your whole body gets nourished. To get your Organifi Glow and love your skin, go to Organifi.com forward slash check 20. And I'll even make it better. All Living 4D listeners get 20% off when they use the promo code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20. So your promo code is CHECK20, all in caps. Enjoy Organifi Glow. We love it. I love it. And I know you will too. And so the other part of stalking yourself is getting in touch with your stuck points, your, your, your edges to growth, right? Mm-hmm. Because we, I, I, I teach people, you must systematically get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yes. You know, you must embrace vulnerability, right? So you have to know, you know, if I'm sitting on the trading floor and I get this feeling that I, I, I'm stuck on something, I'm about to do a big trade, but there's something on me that, that, that's stuck. 
I need to know if that's actually my body giving me feedback, negative feedback that says you need to rethink this, or I'm just I'm just stuck from really going for it, right? Mm-hmm. So the way that you, I teach people to do that is you have to do things that are a little bit hard for you in your life. Getting in the cold plunge. Yes. Going in the sauna. Yeah. Doing a fast. Doing a longer meditation. Even saying something to somebody about how you really feel about them. Mm-hmm. You know, going over your edge to dance at a wedding, sing at a karaoke bar, tell someone you love them. Something that's hard for you that you could do systematically each day. Try to push yourself a little bit so you can get really comfortable where this edge is. So where there's a difference between you're having a block to growing and stepping into the unknown and becoming a bigger version of yourself mm-hmm. versus your body actually giving you an authentic signal that you need to rethink this or reimagine what you're doing. It's like Joseph Campbell says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you need the most. Yeah. It's why I developed this slogan, if you can't, you must. But I did it from an orthopedic perspective. If you can't squat, you well, must squat. you're yeah. going to have a hard time in life. So therefore, I must figure out how to get your body rehabilitated so that you can squat and then you have to practice it. But if you just walk around saying, oh, I can't squat, well, then you're going to be a sedentary person whose butt shrinks, leg shrinks, and your torso is going to sue your legs for lack of support. It's a really, it's a really slight nuance, but we walk around with such negative thinking. You know, I can never get this raise. I can never write this book. I right. can never make a million dollars. Well, what if you just thought, what if I could? What if I could make a million dollars? Yes. What, you know, why is it so easy for me to get that raise? How can I just reimagine this or, or think differently yeah. and, and reorient myself towards the positive? So, you know, setting yourself up, you know, uh, the, the flow, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi yeah. and flow science talks about the challenge to skills ratio, right? Yeah. So like part of life satisfaction and getting into flow states is challenging yourself three to 4% above your current skill level. Yeah. So what he shows is that for us to, to, to go play chess or to go play a game or arm wrestling or whatever versus somebody who you know you can win. Right. Doesn't actually give us anything where we have much more satisfaction from playing somebody that's a little bit harder than us. Not so so much better that it's overwhelming, but a little bit where there's a chance we can win. But even if we lose, we grow and we learn. Yeah. Well, my kids definitely put the growth edge on me because Zoe's three and Mona's seven. And Angie and Penny are game masters, and these kids beat us regularly, and we're looking at each other like, how did this happen, you know? Totally. So my point is, they're always pushing our growth edges. Yeah, I have a funny story about that. I was playing dominoes with Manola, my my nine-year-old. And so we're playing dominoes, and she's about to win the game. And I see her go to take the the winning domino and to put it into place to win. And then I see her purposely put it in the wrong place. <laughs> She's I, protecting daddy? Well, no. So I'm thinking to myself, Manoli, you got to win. You got to win. You got to win. You know, put us in the right place. And then I realized that for her, if she wins the game, the game is over. Ah, uh, yes. That, that means game's over. Daddy goes back to his office. I go to bed. And I said, oh, my God. She's thinking ahead. She's an infinite player. Yeah, she's an That's infinite James player. That's James Carr's infinite game. Yeah. It's, it's not about winning and losing. It's about always playing the game. Yes. It's becoming an infinite player of life, an infinite investor. An infinite investor doesn't think about you know, winning on this trade or an infinite, an infinite player of life doesn't think about 
oh, okay, I'm going to do this thing even though this you know, might be illegal or you know, I'm going to take this job even though I don't really want to do it. They, the infinite investor thinks about their career, right. not the job. Right. The marathon, not the sprint. Right. It's for the love of the game. Yeah. And all of the best people that I've seen, this gets back to doing what you love to do, they love the game. Once you've made enough money in, in Wall Street, it, it's that money can't be the motivating factor anymore. Yeah. It has to be because you actually love what you do. You love the mm-hmm. twists and the turn and the puzzle of figuring it out. Yeah. And children so very well exemplify that for us. It's they, they do. It's, it's pretty wild and, and God, they sure grow you, don't they? Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that Joseph Campbell says in this regard, and he's speaking about exactly this in, in some of his lectures, he says, put your head in the lion's mouth and go for it. And then he extrapolates by saying, look, if you're playing tennis with somebody and they're just half-assing it and lobbing the ball over, then you're never going to grow. You're not going to really get anything out of it. He says, you know, if you're going to go on the tennis court, then play to win. Otherwise, yeah. there's no game there. Yeah, you know? we, we, I think we forget that this universe is a university. It is a university. You know, we're here to, this is why we're here, yeah. to grow and to learn and to experience, right? And figure out what we really are. Right. And so some of the best ways to do that is to challenge ourselves and really to, to explore new territories and go, go over our stuck points. You know, Brene Brown talks about embracing your vulnerability. We look at vulnerability as a weakness, mm-hmm. but it's really a courageous act to step into an unknown area. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I've seen limit people so much is fear of failure. And that's, you know, from our previous conversations, that's why I say, look, you got to take the concept of the loser and replace it with learner. Yeah, which is phase five of my course. Oh, good, yeah. Based right right off of what you've taught me. Good. Um, See, you listen. (laughs) (laughs) After you become, you, you stalk yourself, you realize that the greatest people realize the greatest masters of their trade realize that their losses are not losses. They're lessons to be learned. Yes. Right. You know, I, I, I studied with a great, I still do a great, uh, grandmaster of Tai Chi, yeah. William C.C. C. Chen. And he says, invest in loss. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you, you're in martial arts and, and, and a ref makes a bad call. Right. And you talk about this in your boxing career, a ref makes a bad call and you, you lose the game. You know, the infinite player doesn't go there and sort of bitch about, oh, you made a bad call, or I should have won, or I should have done this, or put up a big fight. He, he or she goes back to the room, studies the tape, and says, how can I never make that mistake again? Right. How can I make this get me better? Right. And so when I was working for Paul Tudor Jones, he said that blowing up, having a financial crisis as a trader is a necessary stop on the way to a great trader and a great risk manager, because you need to experience the visceral feeling of losing money mm-hmm. and having a big problem on your hands mm-hmm. to know what not to do and how to do it right in the future. And we know you've done that one. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, we talked about it in our previous podcast, but what was your biggest loss in trading? Well, you know, it was, it, you know, if you want to check out that story, you can go to episode 192 where right. Paul and I riff on it pretty well. But I mean, essentially, you know, I, I ultimately actually made money in that trade, but I had this experience where I got way in over my head and I had a, a moment where I had lost $100 million in a morning Yeah, and I had to find a way to to creatively get out of it. And it was, it was very interesting because it was on a Friday, it was on a Friday. And so my boss, Paul t- says, says to me, Hey, you got to figure this out over the weekend or, you know, I'm going to 
take you out of this position and being down a hundred million dollars is not a good place to be because your career is essentially over. Yes. And so I actually it's went a lot of money. Yeah. I actually went out uh to my house at the time I was out in the beach in, in Long Island. And I went out into the field with a, a big, huge poster board of paper and a bunch of markers, and I just emptied myself. And I figured out this kind of using all of these sort of non-ordinary ways of thinking by not trying to think about it rationally, but by meditating and doing art and doing some creative practices, I figured out a way for us to, to stay in the trade. I went back and I convinced them that, that we could stay in it, and we actually wound up making money in the end. But I learned the biggest lesson and the biggest mistake of my life was in that moment, I had put all of my eggs into this basket, right. which had this big problem. Mm -hmm. And as I'm waiting, you know, when, when you're trading and then you, you have your back against, against the wall, all of your risk capital is then utilized for something. So you don't have any opportunities that you can do elsewhere. Because, you know, in this particular scenario, the firm was like watching this thing like a hawk. And they're like, you can't do anything else mm -hmm. until this thing resolves. Right. And then came along, it was 2012, and there was this huge drought in the Midwest. And, you know, we were trading these these terribly GMO commodified uh, corn and soybeans and mm -hmm. wheat. But, you know, this is just a financial instrument for us. But there was this huge drought, which sent the grain prices up, you know, 200%. And it was like probably the biggest opportunity in my career. And it was the big, you know, I saw this thing coming a mile away, but I was locked up with this other trade that I didn't have nearly as much of a passion and didn't have nearly as good a risk reward. And it was like, that was the painful lesson. Right. The painful lesson was the missed opportunity. And that's what he's talking about. It was that lesson made me never do that again. I never put all my eggs in one basket again. I always kept some powder for the next opportunity. I never let any trade be my last. And those are very important life lessons for everything that we do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I only brought it up because I wanted the listeners to realize that you have faced some significant losses. It's not like you've been spoon fed and living in a golden castle. No, I might've been 330 pounds. I yeah. went through an insane divorce. Yeah. You know, I've had, a, I've had my fair share of troubles, but yeah. you know, I, I'm happy to say that I, I, I'm here and I'm healthier, more aware and a better teacher because of all of them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I think all of us go through the life challenges that we do to give us an opportunity to grow so we can exemplify to others what, what it is possible to overcome. You know, I think that's one of the reasons that I love doing Tony Robbins firewalk because, you know, it's a real deal. I mean, you're talking about 2,600 degree coals. It's, you know, probably 30 feet across. There's no way you can fake it to make it. It's impossible. And I saw a lot of people who lost their focus get burnt. But when you face something that seems, well, it seems, you know, the laws of physics would say nobody's going to walk across those coals at 2,600 degrees. Your skin's going to melt. But when you learn to use your mind and tap into your unconscious with the right mantra and the right focus, you find out that you're pretty much untouchable by the fire. And, and it's such a paradox because if you can't get out of conventional thinking, you'll get burned. In other words, if you're the average person, you're going to believe the fire is too hot and you're going to cop out and you're going to get burned yeah. if you try. Just like you said yesterday, if you want to be a star, you have to learn how to play with fire. Yeah, that's, you know, Osho said that, but I, but it is true, right? So I think that part of being abundant is being brave enough to walk across the coals once in a while. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting that you bring up Tony Robbins because when I was working for, for Paul Tudor Jones, 
His his coach was Tony Robbins. Right. Tony Robbins would come to our office. We'd see this, you know, giant because <laughs> he's quite tall, six eight, big yeah. man. Yeah, walking through the trading floor, walking into Paul's office, and I realized the importance of mindset and of, of having a coach and a mentor, mm-hmm. and you know, doing visualizations and having a dream and having priorities and all of these sort of self development and holistic lifestyle practices mm-hmm. are so essential in something that you wouldn't actually think that that would be necessary. But for me as an investor, I always wanted to think of myself like I was an Olympian. You know, I wanted to train like an athlete for work because I knew when I did that, I was going to be at my best. Yeah, exactly. Can you give us an overview of the modules in your Abundance Psychotype course so everyone can get a sense of uh, what important information they will learn. I mean, I know that's a big question. No, no, I could do that. I could do that. So, I mean, we, we, we talked a lot about the process section, right? So the competitive edge, the unit sizing in your life, the setting up systems of evaluation, stalking yourself, turning, losing into learning, and then the six phases, the, the art of detachment, mm. right? Yeah, well, let's we, take a minute and talk about the art of detachment. I might have it coming up, but since you mentioned it, Oh, if you want to wait, it's coming up. No, it's okay. It's a good time. So I I'm, think it's 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 really important, and and it's a hard skill to learn because you really have to trust the process. You you really do, but when, when I think you can even thinking about this logically, right? If you go out and you're driving your car, the only thing you can really control is how well you drive your car. Yeah. If you're speeding, you can't control if you're going to get pulled over. Right. If you get pulled over, you can't control if you're going to get a ticket. Right. And if you get a ticket, you can't con- control what the judge is going to do. Right. But you can take responsibility for your driving. Right. In any one trade, you know, you can only follow your process and have a systematic approach to doing it. But you don't know. It's a random outcome each and every time. Yes. So the problem in trading comes when we get emotionally attached to the outcome. Yes. Right? We're, we're in a losing trade. That's It's going against our process, but we become attached to it. They say we, you become married to the idea because right. you, you know, you're hoping and wishing and praying that's going to come back. Right. The idea is to be sort of centered and emotional and extremely process-based uh-huh. in that, okay, I'm going to do this like the house in the casino. I know that I'm going to play this. I'm going to follow my process every single time. And in any one single situation, I may not actually win, but in the end, I'm going to be successful. Right. So this, you know, this is, this is in Taoism, the Wei Wu Wei or the effortless action. This is the sailing versus the rowing. But when it really comes down to it, it's an awareness that you cannot control the outcome of any situation. You can only c- control your approach to it. Mm-hmm. and how you set yourself up for it. So having all of these steps is really key so that then you can just let go and trust the outcome. But you have to trust based on the parameters that you already set up in whether or not these are the values in your life or the what, what sets up uh, your competitive edge in your investing ideas. Yeah. I'll, I'll share a, a situation where, where I had to really use detachment just to help people understand what it looks like from a different perspective. Um, when we were in escrow on the house, this house, Rainbow House, um, that's right when COVID kicked off and our and our loan had already been approved. We were literally like packing the trucks to move. I mean, and the lady that was owned the house was was had all her stuff and moving trucks and was moving out. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, we get a call from the lender, or we got a call from our loan broker who said, we're really sorry to have to tell you this, but your lender has forfeited your loan because they don't 
they have decided they're not going to approve any of the type of loan that you have because COVID is too risky of a proposition and it's going to wipe out many businesses <clears throat> because our loan was based on our business cash right. flow. Right. And so we're like, oh my God, we are screwed. I mean, we put every spare dime we had into the down payment. We had already given up my office, the heaven house and moved out. And we had put the house that we lived in on the market and she was moving out. And so we're like, wow, what are we going to do? And so the thing that Angie and Penny did was they said, and well, they, we asked the broker, what can you do? And they said, well, there are companies that do emergency loans, but the interest rates on these emergency loans was 18 yeah, plus percent. Like having a credit card or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally like having a credit card. Well, when you're using a credit card for a multi-million dollar house, you're talking about a, so anyhow, what happened was, is if we were to go through one of these emergency loans, our mortgage was going to go from um, about six thousand a month to twelve or thirteen thousand a month, and I looked at the girls and I said, "You know what? At that time, I was I think fifty six or seven. I said, you guys, I am tired of working for money. I am tired of constantly having to carry a huge overhead." And I will not enjoy that house if I have that much pressure on me to make that much money all the time. And you two can't make enough money to compensate for it. And I don't want to live in that kind of stress. I said, the best thing we can do right now, look, I said to them, we've been praying for this. We've been doing our abundance work. We've been doing our manifestation work every day for five years and here we are, the dream house we've been waiting for, and the rug's just been pulled out from underneath us. I said, the thing we've got to do right now is detach. Yes, we love the house, but we have to trust our process and know that if it's meant to be, something's going to work out. And it can't be an emergency loan that's going to result in me working myself to death because that does not put me in my heart. Now I don't have my dream home. Now I've got a new dependent, a child with a huge appetite for money. So we talked about, okay, well, maybe we can re-rent the Heaven House and just, you know, keep looking, but let's just see what happens. Two days later, our loan broker called us and said, we want you to know that we were so embarrassed because what your loan, that, so we had a broker, that, and so they said, what the lender that we connected to you did is illegal because your loan was already approved and in writing, which means the money is yours. They've already approved it. And we felt so bad that our, we had a board meeting and we decided to fund your mortgage ourselves. And they gave it to us 2% lower than the original mortgage we were going in on. And it dropped our mortgage payment down to the same as our 2,300 square foot, three quarters of an acre house in Vista. So we ended up with a 6,800 square foot house, a guest house, and 14 acres for the same we were paying for our Vista house, which you'd been in. Right. And if we had have jumped and went through with that emergency loan, yeah. we would have now had a monkey the size of a gorilla riding around on my back every day because we were too impatient. So that's what healthy detachment looks like. Hi, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show. You know, people worldwide are not only finding it hard to find organic and free-range, regeneratively farmed animal foods, but as you surely know, 
It's almost impossible to find anything worth eating in stores, airports, gas stations, or even in the stores that should have real food. Additionally, most children are sent to school to eat microwave processed, chemically raised, and chemically laden garbage from school cafeterias or out of their lunchbox simply because most parents just aren't aware of the dangers of commercial food. But the truth is, there are no shortcuts to health and wellness. Unless, of course, you let Paleo Valley do the work for you. Autumn Smith, founder of Paleo Valley, is not only a mother who understands the importance of feeding children wholesome, clean foods, but is a holistic nutritionist who pours her soul into all Paleo Valley products, and Paleo Valley's meat sticks are made from regeneratively farmed animals that are raised with the highest possible standards of care. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are also fermented, which significantly enhances the nutritional quality and flavor of them. My family and I love them and carry them everywhere we go, be it during rides in the car, outings, ski trips, or we put them in the kids' lunchbox and they love them. In fact, many people I know resort to them as a meal when time is tight on the road or traveling by air. I know of no better portable food or snack food anyone can eat without losing quality or satisfaction, and we love sharing them with our guests and students at our Rainbow Workshops. Paleo Valley's meat sticks come in beef, turkey, and pork maple bacon flavor. To get your meat sticks, go to P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. That's paleovalley.com. To save 15% on your purchase, use the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 15. That's check 15 at checkout. And while you're there, check out Paleo Valley's other excellent foods and whole food supplement offerings and your body and your family will love you for it. Enjoy Paleo Valley. I know I sure do. One of the reasons I want to make this course or that I made this course is because there is an untalked about mental and physical health crisis on Wall Street. And in the world. (laughs) In the world. But I mean, you know, I think, you know, when I came from this Wall Street world, and and many people think that these people have it all figured out, right? But the reality is, is like there are higher levels of heart problems, depression, mental health crises, blood all, pressure, all over, all over. You know these seemingly you know affluent uh, positions, but these people are really struggling in in ways, you know, in a lot of ways. But in, in, in mental and health, uh, mental and physical health, and so one of the things that happens is is that. In investing, you need to be diversified, right? You need to, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. But the, the thing comes into your life. You need to have a diversification in your life. You know, if you want to be detached from any one thing, you have to have multiple other outlets, right? Yeah. So if you're, if you want to be detached from your work, you have to have a meaningful life. You have to have a, a relationships, maybe things that hobbies, things that you enjoy to play with. Diversify your diet, diversify your exercise program, diversify the information that you take in, right? Yeah. Diversification is a key, a key to um, detachment. And the other thing that, that I learned, and I've created exercise for this in my course, is that there were so many times that I solved major problems in my career by stepping away from it, right? Yeah. So many times I would go, I would be, would be going on a longer car trip or I'd go on a vacation or I'd step away for the weekend or I'd go, I'd go out to the country or something like that. And I'd get these answers to these problems that I could never have figured out when I was immersed in the process at work. 
Well, plus when you're immersed, you're, you're, you're attached to the stress of it. So it puts you right square in your left brain. So you're not open to new possibilities. Right. So uh, one of the big keys to detachment is actually doing exercises that I've created where it pulls you away. Right. So you can see the big picture. You know, it'd be like when you talk about going up onto the rooftop, the alchemist meditation, going up onto the rooftop or going up into the mountains and looking at the big picture of what you're doing so that you can actually detach or uncling or unattach from what you're doing and then, and then see a different perspective. Yeah. Was there more modules? Uh, I mean, I sidetracked well, so you with the with the uh, detachment issue. Well, no, so that you know that that's essentially the first phase. Uh, the first part of the course is you know developing this process, and then I take you through my eight keys to mastering them. And so the you know the eight keys to mastery. You know, I, I, I studied a lot of flow science. And, yes. You know, Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler and, and Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. They all have a lot of incredible information out there. Really great work, but. I never really found steps into how you actually cultivate the flow. Yeah. And when I took it back, I saw that William James, American psychologist from the late 1800s, was sort of like the first American psychologist to talk about uh, researching flow states. But what I saw his literature was actually influenced by, by India. Mm-hmm. And so when what I, what I, what I kept following this thread back, back farther and farther and farther, I recognized that the eight limbs to Ashtanga Yoga mm-hmm. were actually these eight keys to developing mastery in any field. That's great. And so this whole idea is that, you know, flow is our ancient ancestors' gift to us. It's our birthright. It's our it's ubiquitous all around the world. And, you know, there was this ancient way that actually follows the steps of the chakras into creating flow states, which are when we can feel and perform at our best. So the first one we already talked about, you know, in my model would be the the root chakra would be doing what you love to do, you know, really following your passions. Mm -hmm. The second one is, is deep embodiment Mm -hmm. and embodiment. It's all about the four doctors. Mm -hmm. So I talk, I teach you all of your work there about Dr. Diet, Dr. Quiet, Dr. Movement, Dr. Happiness, how I use these in my life and how I actually use these to create returns on my on investment in my work, right? Mm-hmm. And for your family. Yeah. But it's like there are simple things that people don't think about. You know, I used to have somebody make food for me twice a week and drop it off. Then I have food for, you know, three days or four days in a row. And I bring my organic food to work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think about, okay, that's a real uh, luxury. And, it, you know, in some ways it is a privilege. But I would ask them, how much money did you spend on breakfast? Mm-hmm. You know, in New York City, they're going out to the deli and they're buying like a bagel or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. How much you spend on lunch? 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. How much you spend going out for dinner? And the reality is that if you just think about things differently, right, I was spending the same amount of money to have food prepared for me organically that's actually good for my body, good for the planet, that I could bring to work. I now didn't have to think about what am I going to eat today? You know, what am I going to order? Where's the menu? Where do I find something healthy? Where do I find something healthy in this world of unhealthy options? You know, I don't have to rely on restaurants. I don't have to go wait in line to go pick you something up. You saved a huge amount of time that you could time. spend calming and centering and grounding yourself. That's the whole thing. It's, it, it's you know... Those are the kinds of things that I teach there. You know, the importance of sleep, the importance of reflection. The third one, I I go into ergonomics. I call this section poise. This is like, what do we really stand for? Uh You know, what's our posture in life in the third chakra? Mm -hmm. And so here I'm talking about the ergonomics of how to set up your desk, right? Right. When I worked on Wall Street, everybody had the the same size desk, Mm -hmm. the same size chair, and they're sitting, you know, they're sitting down all day. And I realized that just like you need to have an individuated plan, 
and a unique plan for you of what you love to do and what your diet should be and what your movement at, uh, routine should be. You need to be able to have an individuated plan for your desk, yes. right? Not everyone's the same size. Yeah, not so, everyone wears the same size shoes. The whole thing. So I teach you all the different variations of, of chairs to sit in from Swiss ball to different kind of chairs to standing, uh, how to set up your monitors and your desk and your keyboard and all these things. Because ultimately, it all comes down to if we can't breathe optimally when we're right. working, we're not going to be performing at our best. You won't be inspired Exactly. Yeah. Oxygen is the platform for abundance. It is. And so that's a key thing. And in, in, in addition, back pain, as you know, in, you, in your career of 40 years of helping people, probably yeah. with a lot of back pain, a lot, is the biggest sap of productivity and it causes the, the biggest amount of absenteeism in sick days. Yeah. People are constantly missing work because their back's in pain. Yeah. If you want to be able to perform at your best in whatever you do, you have to be able to take the posture of what you're doing mm -hmm. and do it effectively and not be in pain. Yeah. And for me, it's creating a plan for, for how to do this, how to travel, how to commute effectively, how to do all these things, how you know if you're in the right position, how you know if you're breathing uh, effectively, and how to make this work for you. And it's also a big place of like, how do you take your seat, right? When we, when we go to work or when we go into our life, what's the posture we're taking? What do we stand for, you know? If I'm if I'm if I'm investing, and I'm going to take a moment to think about who are my clients, who are my customers, who are the people that are risking capital. I'm going to think about my family. I'm going to think about my why. It's like really, what do I stand for? Why am I doing this? One of the things that people don't think about in this regard, I've had to help them understand a very amazing concept that's paradoxically ancient, yet now very validated by modern science. And that is that the body is a living antenna system. And the science of yoga, the science of postures, is changing the position of the antenna to tap into the frequencies. For example, there's postures to open your heart. There's postures to open your back. There's postures to help incre increase mental clarity. And if you study Chinese medicine, I've got entire books full of specific postures and exercises for different ailments. How do they work? Because your energy field and your cells create a standing field of energy, just like the earth has the Schumann resonance. So what that means is if you have a lot of frequencies happening at once, they're going to interact with each other and they're going to produce a harmonic wave that is the resonance, shall we say, of all those frequencies. And that energy becomes an antenna because you can use a frequency to carry a frequency. So when you realize that your body is a vehicle of communicating through the field of emotion and field of mind, which are very fast, subtle energies, then if you're sitting in a slouch posture, your chest drops down, your abdominal wall shortens, so you're closing your heart chakra down, you're closing your third chakra, your will center down, and you're closing down your second chakra which is your life force energy and that tells that's what thomas hannah calls a red light posture it means don't go right if someone's upright and aligned now their body is telling their mind that you're into this and that's what thomas hannah called a green light posture which means your body and mind are both incongruence so that there's a sense of harmony toward moving forward and, and I'm bringing this up because a lot of people would think, how does that relate to abundance? Well, <clears throat> look, if you're a trader, if you're a trader, 
then of course you're dealing with a lot of data and you're, you're sitting there watching screens all day and you're talking on the phone. If you're, let's say you're a general contractor, well, if you're not, you don't have good posture, you're walking around in back pain, neck pain, then you're not actually going to be alert and aware enough to see some of the details that could make a huge difference on whether, say, you're a house inspector. You might overlook that the house has a fungal infection because you're too low in vitality to actually do the work to check the things you're supposed to check. So you end up checking things off and somebody ends up getting screwed in the deal. So the the, the key thing is, is that what what I'm trying to point out, because I know you know the science of all this, is that what Jason's done in his course is he's identified all the things that are necessary to have holistic abundance so that you don't end up with a lot of money and a, and a back problem or a lot of money and uh, you know a typical male that has premature ejaculation and has no sex life so has to use drugs or a lot of money and can't play with their kids because their body feels like crap all the time. So I think it's really important to remember that ergonomics, posture, gesture, and thoughts, feelings, and emotions are all an integrated system. Most people think, oh, you can sit in any posture you want and you can think just as well, but that would be a complete misunderstanding of the subtle energy physiology and the, and the actual physiology. For example, just to point this out, in my studies of ergonomics, which I had to do to rehab people for many, many years, if you have forward head posture, even minor forward head posture, can reduce blood flow to the brain by 70%. Just having your head about two inches forward, which is not uncommon at all in people sitting at a computer. So having your chair right and your screens at the right height normalizes blood flow, which is oxygen in, nutrition in, waste out. So just by sitting with bad posture, you can actually decrease oxygen in, nutrition in, waste out by 70%, which you're like a chimney that's so clogged up, the house is going to catch on fire. So anyhow, sorry for that. No, that's totally, that's, that's fascinating stuff. You know, in my research, it shows that change takes four times more energy than our habitual state. Yes. And the the, the best way we can get energy is through oxygen and proper yeah. breathing. Right? That's why I said dream. The the dream is the only thing that with the power to overcome yeah. the the inertia of life. Yeah, that's there's your four things of change. Totally. Yeah. And so just I mean just for the listener, just just think about you're going to in you're going in to ask your boss for a raise, mm. and in one scenario, imagine yourself walking in slouching and your eyes looking down and having poor posture. What do you think the chances are of getting that versus walking in with with your head up and <laughs> You know, a dynamic pep in your step and your chest out and your heart open. It's like our, our posture is our attitude. This is really a, a, mm-hmm. a really key point. Or not only that, if you're if you're going in to get a job as a manager, <laughs> right? You got that. And the other thing too is is you know you, you you're, you're saying our posture is our attitude, but there's another saying: attitude determines altitude. Mm. So if our posture is bad and our attitude's bad, it means that we're flying low in other words we're not seeing the big picture view so we're gonna we're more likely to make mistakes in our choices and end up uh, having more lessons than we really may have wanted to have yeah you brought up something i wanted to talk about about yoga which i think is really fascinating is that in the eight steps to ashtanga yoga the third step that we're on is asana which is essentially the movement practice of, of yoga but that's what in our in the west we actually call yoga 
right? We're calling yoga just that one right. step. Yeah, the which physical is like aspect. The physical yeah. aspect. Yeah. When what, what we don't realize is that if we went to India, there are no yoga studios <laughs> <laughs> because that is a part of the curriculum of of what you ter- learn in kindergarten. Yeah. Here's how you move your body effectively. Why? So you can learn to sit. So that you can meditate and you can transcend and 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 go to to you know focusing on the object of your meditation and, and get there right. So the whole idea is that they're not doing the med- they're not doing these postures right. to be like I could hold a plank Superheroes, longer than you, yeah. right? It's it's putting their body in the right position to access the state of mind and the state of ease in the body, so that you can sit for a long period of time and be comfortable and actually get to a deeper meditation. Yeah, right. Not it's not it's not the outcome. It's like it's a means to an end. Yeah. It's one step on the road. So. So many people think that, you know, yoga is really just, you know, I'm going to go into a hot room and twist myself around and like that's it. But it's actually all of these steps are, are derived from what yoga really is, being in right relationship to yourself and being in right relationship mm-hmm. to, to the people around you and the environment, learning how to sit appropriately yeah. and so forth. You know, as I was traveling the world, teaching in conferences all over the world, one of the comments I would make you know, when I'm talking about how things get so screwed up from what they really were meant to be, I say only Americans can go to India, learn yoga, yoga, and come back home and create combat yoga. Right. You know, just right. like kill yourself in <laughs> yeah. a yoga studio and call that yoga. I'm like, oh my God, because I would see having studied yoga and the anatomy and physiology of it and things like that. Uh, because it's very interesting to me. Then I go see what's being done in yoga studios. I'm like, you, you might as well just be in a martial arts class or training program because it looks oftentimes more like you know, intense martial arts training than it does actual yoga. Yeah. I mean, the reason why this is yoga, to going through these steps, is because really the goal is, of yoga is to know who you truly are. Yeah. To know you yourself as the soul embodying mm. the body you're in. Yeah. And to know your authentic self and your authentic nature, where you came from, why you're here, and where you're going. Yeah. The whole point of, of, doing the asana is not to you know have bigger muscles but it's it's actually to get access to those deeper questions those existential questions about why we're really here yeah right and that's what i'm trying to encourage people in this course is that the whole idea of is to be able to perform and to feel at your best to access the deepest version of yourself your authentic self so that you can really shine that into the world as much as you can most people as you know, haven't penetrated very deeply into themselves, right? They're, they're, what they know of as themselves is really their ego's persona. I'm a carpenter, I'm a teacher, I'm a doctor, I'm a whatever, right? So they're identifying not as who they are, but what it is they do, which I call the externalization of the self. You, you see yourself as the tasks you do or the way you make money. But if you don't know yourself to the degree, like, if, if you only know yourself 50% of what you could know through a, a, you know, a healthy spiritual practice, it means there's only 50% of you making decisions when you're in the process of creating abundance, right. which means you're 50-50 invested, right. which is really not a healthy investment because that's no more of a greater, you're, you're, you're basically operating on a random possibility. There's no skill to that, right? right? You know. A, a, a random generator is a 50-50 generator, static. If you follow the positive and elect- negative electrical charge of a static generator, it's about 50% positive, 50% negative. If you start flipping coins at random without holding any intention, interestingly, 
you'll get 50% heads and 50% tails. It's been tested by machines. It's been tested in universities over and over again. And so there's no skill or no conscious direction. There's no dream compass involved in that. But if you, for example, sit down with a stack of quarters and have the intention of getting positive, positive, and you hold that intention, then the research shows you will get a significantly greater number of positives that's far beyond random or chance. So the, the point I'm driving at is that part of becoming abundant is doing the work and having the love and compassion for yourself to know yourself because the more you penetrate the depth and the truth of yourself or your soul, the more of you is aligned with any given choice, whether it be the body saying yes or the body saying be cautious or the body saying no. But if half of you is over there thinking about, you know, how you can't wait to get out of work so you can go watch your favorite show or you don't really live till you're driving your race car on the track on the weekend, then you're not likely to really create the, the, the abundance you could because only half of you is there making the decision. And, and, and anybody that's half-hearted is not somebody we want on our team. No, no. You know? Angel Sarian talks about moving from the half-heart to the full heart. Yeah. You know, from the closed heart to the open heart. Yes. The hard to the soft heart. Yes. And so forth. You know, it's, it's a big, it's a big, and then that actually brings us to the most <laughs> an interesting segue because yeah. the next step of step four is 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 learning to use the intelligence of your heart. You know, we're in the fourth chakra and we're into coherence. And so all of you know you can read any of the any of the information by heart math talking about the wisdom of the intelligence of the heart. And yes. it's it's so essential because you know, I'm sure the listeners know, I'm sure you've talked about the, the, the various research they've done where, you know, they're turning over uh pictures of something that's like a train wreck versus yes. a mother. Random uh, generated pictures that either produce a loving connection, like people hugging and kissing right. versus some nasty car accident or or car plane crash or something. But go ahead. Right, yeah. And so the it shows that, you know, they're 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 attached to sensors and their heart is responding up to five seconds before that they actually can see the physical right. image. Yeah. And the same thing with the random number generators around the world with the big events like yeah. Princess Diana dying yeah. and September eleventh. Super Bowls and things like that. They show that actually on September eleventh and Princess Diana's death, these random number generators often went into uh like synchronous formation yeah. two to three hours before the event. Yeah, sometimes even a day or more before the event. So what 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 I'm trying to get to is that if you're in a in a field like let's say investing, where future prediction of what's actually going to coming, where you need to access your intuition and and or any field where you need to innovate or have novel ideas, which is basically anything, mm-hmm. getting in touch with the wisdom of your heart is so key. Yeah. Getting your mind, your heart, and your gut into coherence, and the way that I teach it is basically through breathwork techniques you know it shows that our, the way that we're breathing responds to to uh, affects our brain waves and the brain waves are affecting our heart and so coming from our deepest values getting in touch with our heart learning how to breathe effectively these are all ways that we can actually improve our performance at work i read a very good book on mythology i don't remember the exact title but it was by an author named john youngblut b-l-u-t and he said something that stuck to me like glue in there. as a short statement, but it, it got me because it was so profoundly true. He says, only the heart can deliver justice to the head. <laughs> Meaning, 
you will never know if what you're doing is just if you're making decisions only from your head. In other words, you might have a great idea to make millions, but it could displace the homes of many and be very destructive to the environment. But the heart will tell you whether that's a moral or a just investment or whether or not you're just playing the game for your own gain but the expense of others. And, and you know, we would call that not such good karma, right? Yeah. And so the, and the word heart has here and art. And hearth. I think you only have to change the letters around. And earth. And earth. Right? So the, the idea is like, this is a receptive process. Yes. This is a feminine process. Yeah. So many of us in, in, in our lives, and especially in the business field, are working with our left brain. Yeah. We're, we're waking up every day and we're crunching numbers. We're doing more analysis. Mm-hmm. We're th- trying to think about things rationally. And that's okay. That's important. But we've cut off the other half of our brain. Yeah. And that comes from actually more of a receptive, listening, meditative, contemplative process. Yeah. And so like- you know, all of these tools are actually, like you said, the 50% of yourself, we're really only accessing maybe half of our brain. Right. And so when we access our right brain, wow, do we, and now we can see the parts and the whole. Yeah. And we can get open to much more um, ways of, that we can generate abundance for ourselves. Yeah. It's almost as though the left brain is is oriented toward the thinking function of consciousness and the right brain is oriented toward the feeling aspect and Jung ties values into the feeling function of consciousness. And, you know, so much of what's going on in the world today, as you know, is the product of divisive thinking without attachment to values or a concern for the well-being of people. Like, you know, 35 new billionaires through COVID. And now look what we know about COVID three years down the road. So what we see is that that's cunning, divisive thinking. That's the snake (laughs) <laughs> That's the archetype of the snake convincing Eve to eat the apple of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil um, in metaphor. But, you know, if we if we want abundance that enhances our life, then we, we don't want to be dis- divisive and cunning. We want to think with our heart and feel with our heart so that we're actually making um moral value decisions with the infinite game uh, mindset, not the finite game, because the finite game players think, I got to get everything I can get. I'm going to die anyhow, so let me get rich and who cares what happens. But the infinite game player says, if I if I make a lot of money at the expense of other people's well-being, then I'm actually decreasing the number of people that I can play with. Well, it's a really interesting concept from, if you think about it from a karmic perspective. You know, if I have a- enough food in my freezer to feed a hundred people and there's a hundred people outside my door starving, am I really rich, right? If I'm not actually feeding them. Right. Right? Like, do I, am I really abundant? Well, if you're, if you start to open up, if you become, you know, Mahatma, which is, they, they say Mahatma Gandhi, but Mahatma is big minded, like uh-huh. having a big view of the, of the world. Yes. You start to realize that if you are just holding on and possessing without actually supporting others, that's not actually abundant because yeah. you're, you're, you're creating a long term impact that would be negative for the, the planet and possibly for yourself as well. It's quite a process that you've developed in this course because ultimately having worked with you on the development of the course and, and 
understanding the process and knowing what's in it, it's really not just a course about creating abundance. It's about teaching us all the ways to relate to ourselves, to others, to the world, and to our life in ways that we have not been taught. Well, I'll tell you something. When I was making this course, there's something that was, a lot of things were revealed to me along the way. I mean, I, I, I wrestled with this thing yeah. for months. I mean, almost probably like at least a year. I mean, I tr- this is the synthesis of everything I've done in my life. I was on Wall Street for 20 plus years. I wanted to be a Wall Street trader since I was 12 years old. I studied with you for 14 years, thousands of hours, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars with you and masters all around the world. Yeah. And I really wanted to put something together. And when I was trying to figure out how do I put this into a digestible format, mm-hmm. it really took me to my own edges. And I yeah. had to really grow and really figure out what abundance meant for me. But yeah. there was this one moment at the very end of the course when I was filming the last lesson, you know, we're through the eight steps of mastery and I'm there and I realized, and I didn't even write this down, but what I realized is that, wow, I'm not abundant. Even if I have abundance, I'm not abundant until everyone's abundant. It's that there's a part of me that's so connected to everybody else and mm-hmm. that until we're all collectively abundant, yeah. none of us are really actually abundant. So it really put for me this whole idea of reciprocity, seven generational return, Become really being an elder, really holding eldership and making the world a better place, leaving behind a legacy that that is real abundance. Yeah. And it, it's really important that we engage with the world in that way. That's exactly why I have over 750 videos on how to keep yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually healthy and many other things on YouTube for free. Right. People say to me sometimes every now and then someone says why are you so expensive i think you're just trying to rape people you know you get these people and i go well i got news for you why don't you go on my youtube channel because if you do what a lot of people have done you'll probably be able to solve your problems and get yourself healthy without spending a dime the difference yeah. is you have to have the initiative to do it yeah, and you if can, you can't start there, you're not going to listen to me anyhow, no matter how much I charge. Yeah, you can buy how to eat, how to eat, move, and be healthy for twenty something bucks. Twenty bucks and change your life forever. Yeah, but you just got to be willing to do it. My point is, is that that that's been my investment strategy. Like, it's hard for me with my knowledge and life experience to walk around the world watching the health of children and adults just degenerate and their mental capacity degenerate and their emotional capacity degenerate and addiction to drugs go through the roof and anxiety and suicide go through the roof and poverty on the rise. And I I felt my whole career, I just have always felt if I can see a problem and there's a way I can help solve it for people, then that's the best thing I can do. And so literally everything I developed in the Czech Institute is a solution to a common problem. But because, you know, to run a business that big, I have to make money. I have a family to feed. I gotta, I've got to, you know, also take care of my needs. But I devoted an, a, a video a week for many, many years to now there's over 750. So that that's really how I keep my heart in the game and, and share those same values, which is what you're talking about here, you know, going from your own awareness of abundance to realizing that you can do a lot more for the world by sharing what you've learned than just sitting on it and collecting more and more abundance. Yeah. 
well, you've told me about, you know, it's it's like a tree that has a lot of fruit. If it doesn't actually drop it to the ground, the branches are going to break over, right? Right. And then, and then ultimately everything dies because no fruit, no food for the soil, no food for the soil, no food for the tree. So it yeah. just stops the flow of life force. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm super excited to share Bioptimizer's new excellent sleep support product called Sleep Breakthrough. I've used it and my kids use it and it's really good. It helps me sleep. It tastes great. And since it's a new product, I've got Matt here from Bioptimizer's, who's one of the co-creators of the product, to give us some more information on how and why it works so well. So Matt, how does it work so well? Yeah, first of all, Sleep Breakthrough is a drink. You mix it about an hour before your target bedtime. You're going to feel your nervous system and your brain calm down. Your sleep latency will drop. Your desire to fall asleep will improve. Your REM is going to improve. Your heart rate will slow down, and you're going to wake up feeling awesome. The way it works is we're targeting five different pathways. The first one is we want to optimize your natural melatonin production. We do that by giving your body the building blocks that it needs. The first one is magnesium bisglycinate has been shown to naturally increase melatonin levels. Then we add cofactors like P5P, which is a bioactive form of vitamin B6. Second, we have four different sleep minerals that will all improve the quality of your night's sleep. First is potassium, helps quiet down neurons. Second, calcium, which improves REM and also helps transform tryptophan into serotonin, which is a building block for melatonin. Third is zinc, which is really important for the metabolism of melatonin, again, it's a cofactor, and it also calms down the nervous system. And then last, again, is the magnesium bisglycinate. The third pathway is GABA, which is the molecule of chill. When they looked at insomniacs, they found that insomniacs were about 30% lower in GABA than people without sleep disorders. We tested pretty much every GABA on the market. We found that pharma GABA was the most powerful. The fourth pathway is they were targeting the brain. We're targeting brain waves. There's two molecules we can use to increase alpha brain waves and decrease beta brain waves, which is when people are struggling to fall asleep, the monkey brain's active, the hamster wheel's going is because they have too many beta brain waves going. L-theanine and pharma GABA increase alpha brain waves. And the last thing is glycine. Using three grams of glycine, which helps lower body temperature, it promotes faster sleep onset, extends REM. And my favorite part about it is if there's a night where you don't get enough sleep, you'll actually wake up feeling better and more refreshed the next day. That's awesome. Sounds like you did a lot of research to put a real beautiful combination of synergistic supplements and ingredients together to really help people sleep. I know it works very well. And I know one of the things that's lovely is my kids love it because it tastes great. Mm -hmm. And we all need more sleep, especially in the buzz of the world today. To get your sleep breakthrough now, go to sleepbreakthrough.com forward slash living number four D. That's sleepbreakthrough.com forward slash living four D. To get your discount, use the code Paul, that's capital P, little A, little U, little L, 10 for 10% off. Go to sleepbreakthrough.com forward slash living four letter D. Paul 10 for 10% off. Enjoy sleep breakthrough and a beautiful night's sleep. Did you get through the eight keys? We, we got to step four. I can just briefly talk yeah, about the rest one. So, you know, five is this idea of centering. And now we're moving up into the throat chakra. And ultimately, we talked a lot about this, but this is the value of learning to say no. 
Right. <laughs> right. It's a big one. We already talked about distractions being the death of the flow state. So we get that we get deeper into that here. And I teach you a lot of different techniques to do that. Um, six goes into focus. Mm. And I've been, you know, doing a lot of work certified as a practitioner in open focus. Mm-hmm. And so it, I, I really teach a lot of the techniques um, but how to f- use your focus effectively. And that there's actually the, a process of attentional flexibility. Right. That, you know, we, we're, we're so much focused in this narrow objective focus. We're staring at our iPhones all day long and we're just narrowing in and trying to analyze everything. Yeah. That's actually very stressful for the nervous system and not conducive for a performance. Mm-hmm. It's actually a tool we can use. But w- when we use a more diffused and immersed level of attending, you know, how we attend to something is as important of, as what we're attending to. Right. Right? So I teach attentional flexibility. You know, you think about a martial artist. A real good martial artist is in a moment where they're in a diffused state at the beginning. They're, ob- they're objectively looking at all of the information, but they're not honed in on, I'm not going to make this move. I'm not going to do this certain thing. They're in a very state of open focus. They're paying attention to their body, the signals in their body, the space around them, yeah. the, the noise, the opponent. And then there gets to a moment where they start to narrow in, narrow in, become more narrow on objective focus. And then there's a moment of immersion where they know exactly what to do, right? Yeah. The same is happening in investing. When, what I found when I, when I was the most successful, when I had all, you know, you have all these screens and all this information and CNBC and f- people next to you talking and phones ringing and text messages and work phone and home phone. It's crazy, yeah. All this stuff. And so- you have to be in a state of open focus where you're paying attention to your body, you're paying attention to what people are saying, you're paying attention to the screens, but you're not putting too much attention on any one thing. And then maybe there's going to be a number that comes out. There's an employ- unemployment number, let's say, that's being released at 12. You start to narrow in, you start to narrow in, then the number's released, you objectively narrow in on that one number, and then just like the martial artist, you immerse and you know exactly mm-hmm. what to do and how to react based on all the practice. Mm-hmm. But then you move back into that parasympathetic state, parasympathetic state yeah. so that you can downregulate your body and be more open to novel and new yeah. ideas. So that's six. Seven is altered states, which is a fun one. And I, I call it losing your mind to find your genius. Mm-hmm. And I teach you all of these different ways, a lot of creative ways to actually alter your mind and access altered states and non-ordinary states of consciousness while at work. Mm. Little one-minute things, you know, mm-hmm. using nature, using dreaming, using little creative processes mm-hmm. to get out. You know, so, so many businesses these days know that people, when teams get stuck, they devise games or breaks yeah. or retreats mm-hmm. or they move desks around and yep. they do things. And so we can cultivate, we don't have to wait to go to, to the Amazon once a year or whatever <laughs> to have an altered state. Yeah. We need to have, you know, uh, Alan Watts talks about, you know, if you want to, if you want to prevent yourself from being uh, insane, get a little bit insane each day. Right. right? It's like, yes. you know, if you, if you don't want to be, if you want to be sane, get a little insane. Yes. Right. So finding ways in your day to create these little moments of what we can call insanity or altered states. Mm -hmm. But it turns out that these are hugely helpful in creating innovative ideas, uh, really captivating your genius, thinking about things differently and getting creative about projects. Yeah. And and that's basically, that's the seven and and eight, you're, you're in the flow state and I teach you all about the benefits of flow state and then you're essentially getting into that state where you're ready to become an elder and share this with others. And that, that, that that does it for the for the A keys. You recently 
shared with me your document that you've developed for anyone that's interested in the program called Eight Keys to Greater Wealth and Well-Being. And that's free for anybody, by the way, if you go to Jason's website, Jason, P-I-C-K-A-R-D, dot org, Jason Picard.org. Um, it's going to ask you who referred you. And if you mention Paul Check, you can get a $500 discount on Jason's training program. But that's only part of the reason I was mentioning the document. The, the document was absolutely beautifully written. Thank you. And it's very beautifully laid out. But anyhow, do you want to share a little bit about what's in that? Because yeah. I, I really thought that was just... For anybody that's interested in the program, if you want to get the vibe of the program, and maybe, you know, now that you've had this podcast, you've heard a lot about it, you've picked up Jason's vibe, you can see that he's, you know, the real deal. And uh, if he wasn't, I'd be in trouble because I coached him for 14 years, so it'd be <laughs> and I really screwed up. Um, you want to share anything about what's in that document? I do. Thank you. I mean, you know, I had a great team for creating this whole course. You I was, did. I was man. working with Freedom the Builders. The course is beautiful. Yeah, shout The videos out to- are gorgeous. They look like, you know, movie quality production. Yeah. If you want to learn more about Freedom Builders, check out Mike Gonzalez at Freedom Builders. They, are, they were, I, I had such a good time with them. You know, mm. it was it was so much fun filming this course. I had them in my house for, for I don't know, at least eight or nine days. There's like seven of them in my mm. house for over a week. We're just yeah. filming and- I just I just really um, enjoyed my time with them, and I loved the process. And I took it kind of a chance on them. I didn't I didn't really go out and study a lot of different companies mm-hmm. that could. I'm sure there's more companies that produce courses, but I just had this intuitive feeling and connection to them, and I went with it. And they stayed with me the whole way, you know, as I was developing it and and mm-hmm. coming up with this. And I just feel really supported by them, so I wanted to give them a little shout out. But yeah, you know, I'm so inspired by what you've put out into the world that I wanted to give my free gift, and I knew that. You know, more people may read this than they may than likely will take my course, right? Because yeah, it's, it's a, well, it's free. It's a free gift. Yeah, and there's no so, commitment to reading the document. <laughs> so you know, I wanted to give you a sneak peek for what I've created in the course and what I've done. You know, studying with Paul, working with Paul Tudor Jones, and all of these other great masters. And so, what I really did was I compiled one one of one, from each one of the steps of the eight keys to to greater wealth and well being and mastery that we just talked about. One thing that you can do that doesn't take any more of your time or energy. It's like literally, you know, for example, working in versus working out. Right. Just teaching people about simple ways that you can do things that don't require huge resources that you can do today to experience right now more wealth and well-being. So go to jasonpicard.org, put in your information, put in Paul Check, and then you can download this this offering to you, which is very well produced, and there's a lot of information. I spent a hell of a lot of time on it, more than I wish, because it was very time consuming. Because mm. I wanted to make sure that this was like the best quality document that I could offer is. to the it's, world. It's beautiful. It really is. I when I saw it, I was well, I was just so impressed. I'm like, wow, this is good. And I read as much as I could of it, but I was, you know, I was reading it just to check it out because of our work yeah. together. But I was just like, this is damn good. I mean, if I was to come across this anywhere, I would sit down and read it. I mean, it would be something that I would think would be very, very important. And the other thing I liked about it is because of the beautiful pictures in it, you really not you, you really get a sense of you in there. Yeah. It's it's not like, you know, an outline for a course or something like that. It's really you get a visceral sense of who this guy is that put this course together and 
I thought, I just can't say enough. I mean, I really thought it was fantastic. And it, and I, I'll tell you the truth. I forwarded it to Penny, Angie, and Gavin, our CEO. And I said, you see this document Jason just produced? This is what we've got to do for my new Spirit Gym when it comes out for my, for my book series and my membership site. Because he's done such a damn good job of this, I couldn't have dreamed it up better than that. And so, I'm sorry, but I'm going to steal your model. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, it's an honor to me, yeah. just like you're trying to steal my, my vaporizer manual too, right? You know, we, we're always sharing things like the what? doc, the document I, I sent you about, about some of the keys to vaporizing, right? I don't remember. Did you send me something? Like oh that? yeah. The, uh, I sent you something that I had written up for my course. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking way back in the beginning when, no, when no, I no. first taught you to vaporize and I'm like, did he send me a document on vaporizing? No, no yeah. You helped me out. Because, yeah. you know, as you know, I got a course coming up on that. So when you sent it to me and I looked at it, I'm like, oh, shit, Jason just saved me a hell of a lot of work. He wrote down everything I taught him and more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the beauty of our relationship. Honestly, I just, I, 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 I can't, I can't thank you enough for everything you've done for me. Thank you. You uh, too. Your influence on me and my life and the Czech Institute, the body of work you've done. If you don't put out anything else, and I know, trust me, everybody, I've been seeing a sneak peek to Paul's new book, and it is going to blow your freaking mind. <laughs> it's going to blow your mind. So you, get ready for that, because it's it's incredible. You've been one of my reviewers, so you've read quite a number of the chapters. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to keep up, because it is so packed with incredible information that any one line yeah. could take you on a journey. And the art is absolutely freaking amazing. Yes. So get ready for this uh, Czech audience out there. Yeah, it's going to be about six volumes. It's going to be around sixteen to 1,700 pages in total. I'm 1,100 pages in right now, and I've got about somewhere near 200 pieces of original art and diagrams. So it's a very well-illustrated um, book. Absolutely beautiful. Thank the, you. The, the art alone is worth the purchase. I, I'll tell you what, I got to thank Vicki Dye because she's just amazing. And thank you, Jolene Lee, who worked for me as my artist for 17 years because she turned me on to Vicki. Now, just for those of you that want to learn more about Jason... Um, my episode with him, which is he mentioned earlier, is one episode 192. It's called Finding Soul. And we get into a lot more about Jason's life and our work together and a lot of things that we didn't talk about here. It's one of my most listened to episodes. So if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to go back and have a look. Is there anything else that you... Yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about the offer for the, for the sure. listeners. Yeah, so... Go to my website, jasonpicard.org, and you can download the eight keys to greater wealth and well-being, and it's my gift to you. And then you'll be in my 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 email list, so you can get other things. Uh, yeah, and over the over the next couple couple months, I'm going to be sending out a lot of information. And if you want to sign up for my course, the Abundance Archetype, this is a one-time offer where you're going to get five hundred dollars off. And if you sign up in the waitlist period, you get a free coaching session with me. Oh, which I don't. You know, it's something I don't even really want to do because yeah. it's like, you know, I, I value time my vacuum. time so yeah. much. Yeah. But that's how much I want you to experience this course. Yeah. I'm willing to give that to you, to the Czech listeners, a one-time coaching session with me. You'll learn all about the Abundance Archetype. You could ask me anything you want and, you know, you'll get my 14 years of, of having private coaching with Paul <laughs> funneling through me right yeah. to you. Yeah, so you good go. luck trying to get him, but you can <laughs> you can get me if you, you sign up for the course. But no, so you get $500 off the course if you sign up in the wait list and you get a free coaching session with me 
And there's a lot, there's a lot to come. I'm creating a whole community around this. Yes. If, if you if you take this abundance archetype program, we're going to be having biweekly coaching calls, mm. similar to your PPS calls, where yeah. we're having you know Zoom sessions. I really want to I really want to create a community and a tribe of people that are, are trying to develop an abundance life and share that with others. Yeah. I can't wait to watch your transformation. Please, you know, reach out to me. You can go to my Instagram at Jason Picard Official, and and please. Tell me what's going on. I want to hear your story. If you have any questions about this course, I'd love to interact with you and I'd love to talk to you and I'd love to get you excited about this. So yeah, I'm just really excited for everybody to, to take this. And you know, I'm offering this to the Czech community because it's a community that means so much to me. I really want these all of you to join and, and to get on uh, the Abundance Archetype program. And that that's you, Living 4D listeners, Czech practitioners all over the world. And there's over 60,000 people that have gone through the Institute, so it's a pretty good-sized community. Yeah. But the, just one of the things that came into my mind that I want to share is what I love about what your course offers and what you're offering is that you're actually bringing us all into the opportunity to develop an, an abundance mindset. Yes. And I think a lot of people suffer from a scarcity mindset. Yes. And if you have a scarcity mindset, it always puts you in a red light posture because you're always worried about, can you make it? Will I have enough? You know, there's always a, usually a list of conscious and unconscious excuses about why you can't have the car of your dreams or the woman of your dreams or the man of your dreams or the home of your dreams or the career of your dreams. And that that's... I, you know, having spent so much time with you over the years and seeing what you've created, I really think that you're offering um, not only a, a training program in the creation of abundance, but a whole way of orienting one's psychology to an abundance mindset, an abundance view, you know, things like detaching so that you don't make decisions too quick or from the wrong point of awareness in yourself in other words going to your heart getting there and then looking at the problem sublimating rising above um, it really is a, a um, it's really in its own way without being obviously stated it's it's a really healthy course in psychology because your psychology is what governs your physiology and those two are like mirrors of each other and I, I I'm just grateful that people can actually go out there and learn how to look at the world with an abundance mindset. Because if we don't get over this scarcity thinking, then people like the World Economic Forum just have us right where they want us, you know? I mean, if the power goes off and you have an abundance mindset, you say, isn't it great we got candles? But if you have a scarcity mindset, you think, oh my God, I'm going to die. And all you do is think about all the things that are going to go wrong. Totally. So thank you very much. It's uh I'm just super excited. Uh, I'm all, not only am I excited for you because we spent a lot of time when you left your career working on your new dream cultivation process and you went through a lot of work and a lot of steps and I've gotten to watch your heart and your mind and your spirit digesting and digesting and congealing and it's just amazing for me to see you take all the all the knowledge, wisdom, and experience you've gotten from me and so many other great teachers and make your own baby out of it that carries the wisdom of everyone that taught you but is uniquely your own. And I think that's the greatest 
thing we can all do for a teacher because you know it's hard to really go beyond a teacher a coach or a guide until you've mastered what they've given you enough to know how to go beyond it you know it's one thing to just to come up with a bunch of shit from people's books but not really know if it works or not but when you spend as much time as you have synthesizing and working and refining and testing it actually becomes part of who you are and when you take all of the people that you've studied with and learned from and you weave them together in this beautiful braid you get the abundance archetype and yeah. I, I think that it's a it's a really powerful offering yeah thank you so, I mean, so much it really means a lot and you know the 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 incredible thing, I'll just end with this, is that I had to use all of these steps in this course to create the course. <laughs> That's exactly right. right. There's you know, the mirror. The, the reality was is that I didn't know what I was creating, but I felt this thing birthing inside of me. Yeah. And I had to become an employee of the course. Yes. I had to realize that I'm, I'm not the one doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm working for something that wants to be created. Yes. And I needed to listen to her. Yeah. What does the abundance archetype want to express? What are the most important yes. values she wants to bring out mm-hmm. into the world? And I was just listening to her. Yeah. And, and that's how I created this, using my own dreaming process, using my manifestation tools, using all the things you taught me, listening to my body, sitting in meditation, yeah. reflecting, digesting, doing art, doing all sorts of journey work. And that all of that helped congeal, like you said, what we now have in front of us. And just like a beautiful piece of art, mm. when you look back at it and you say, I don't even know how I did exactly. that. Exactly. It's the same thing I'm having right now. I'm looking at these steps of this course. I'm like, I don't know how the hell I created this. Yeah. And the reason was was because I was in the flow. Yeah. And that's exactly what I'm teaching in this course. So you can do the same thing. And exactly what you're describing is how my book became six books. <laughs> it took me over. And yeah. the spirit of God moving through me saying, you know, one book would be good, but there's more to it. So um, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And, and the other thing too is, this is a common thing that happens when you're doing what you love to do. And why that's an important thing that I'm saying as we close here is is a real little secret. When spirit and soul start moving through you you suddenly realize you don't have to think so hard because the global mind and the universal mind and spirit itself is using you as a vessel to give something that is beyond us as an individual but is a gift to the world and when you actually start experiencing that it helps you relax and detach from somewhat of feeling the burden of having to carry the weight of producing it yourself because it's like when a woman's pregnant she doesn't know how she's making that baby she's not sitting there going oh i gotta put this cell here i gotta make sure the eyeballs are the same size she is actually in the flow of the Tao, and the Tao is making the baby it's if the baby's not healthy it's because someone got in the way of it by eating junk food or staying up late at night or whatever but when you do the kind of training you offer in the program and you learn how to get into flow states and you learn how to meditate and adjust your posture and breathe and have a dream then great spirit shows yeah. up and you don't have to work so hard because it 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 does the rowing for you the wind comes to blow in your sails yeah you're with the tides and that's exactly it's so fascinating to me because that's exactly how i created this course the biggest insight 
were times that I stepped away from trying to, to solve it logically. Yeah. And just let spirit move through me. Yeah. It was a time I went down to the sacred hunt with Monsel. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm like, how can I leave my home and go down and go on this sacred hunt? You know, and I, I'm going to miss three days of, of working on this course. And then lying under a pecan tree, hanging out with my brother and Nathan Riley, all of a sudden the ideas come right in, right? Yep. Like when I'm yep. just totally disconnected and mm-hmm. detached. So it, it really can become more effortless. But in order to do that, you have to get in touch with your body. Yeah. You have to get in touch with your heart. You have to get in touch with your deeper reason for being here. Yeah. And then you can let nature guide you. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, our beautiful dialogue today. I know... When you read Jason's Eight Keys to Greater Wealth and Well-Being, you will definitely gain a lot just from that. It's free. Once you sign up, it'll ask you where you came from. Say, Paul, check to get your $500 discount offer on the training program. And I'd like to say thank you for all of you. We, I think you all know that right now it's time for a revival. We, we all have to get our head to come down to our heart. We've got to get clear on what our values are. We've got to ask ourselves, is what I'm doing for a living sustainable or am I surviving the choices I've made? And if I was to orient myself toward living my dream, which is also a lot of what Jason will be teaching you in the course, uh, how would my life be different? What would my life look like three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? How might that affect my children or my ability to have children? There's so many things that we often overlook because we get caught in a rut. And as Earl Nightingale says, a grave is a rut with both ends kicked out. Or no, a rut is a grave. A gra- so a grave is a rut with both ends kicked out. Has that got that right? A, a grave is a rut, yeah, with both ends kicked out. Meaning you're caught in a rut. You're not. You're doing the same shit over and over again, and it's not helping. So you're in your own grave. And I will say thank you to my sponsors for your amazing products, your sustainable practices, your high moral and ethical values. And thank you to all of you for anything you buy from the sponsors because it supports the podcast so I can keep bringing amazing people like Jason to you. And uh, I look forward to sharing more with you. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it. And uh, if you enjoy my podcast, I'd sure love it if you'd leave me a a five-star review on iTunes or any of the major podcast outlets so we can inspire others to listen and and work together to make the world a better place for all living beings now and in the future. Aho, great spirit. Aho, great spirit. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Jason Picard. You can connect with Jason via his website, jasonpicard.org or on Instagram at jasonpicardofficial. Jason is offering Paul's listeners his eight keys to greater wealth and well-being report for free. Just go to jasonpicard.org to request your free copy. That's J-A-S-O-N-P-I-C-K-A-R-D.org. You can also get $500 off his new course, The Abundance Archetype Method. When you register, just mention Paul Check in answer to the question, how did you hear about The Abundance Archetype? And you'll get your $500 discount immediately. You can find Paul on Instagram and TikTok at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck, or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living 4D with Paul Check. You can also watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com or visit the Czech Institute site at checkinstitute.com to find Paul's e-learning courses, advanced training programs, and to learn more about the Czech Academy. 
You can read the show notes and find links to the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcasts.